Blog Talk Radio. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. <laughs> Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. We are in. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in via iTunes. Thanks for tuning in, perhaps, on your computer. Maybe you're listening live. I don't know. And maybe this is your first time. First time, long time? Long time, first time? No, it'd be your first time listening live, period. First time, first time? Yeah. So, welcome. Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen, here in the middle of March, past the Ides of March, if you watched the broadcast of USC-UCLA, dropped a little Roman Empire knowledge for you in the opener. I did watch it, Kevin. Yeah? I did. You like that? Yeah. Who will be Brutus? Who will beat Caesar? I wonder uh, how many people understood what you were talking about. It's actually pretty good, because the Trojans have the sword and stab, so they got to kill Caesar. And I can see the Bruins being Caesar, high up in the ivory tower. I did, uh, you did mention something about Spraw and Fergie, not necessarily, um... Oh no! They Being don't on get the best along. I did not. I was not aware. They do not said, get along. And is that just because of their schools, or no? Do, I need, do, do I need to dig more into this? It has to do with the Irvine time, oh, actually, okay. when John Spraw was there. Uh, Bill Ferguson not a fan of maybe some of the tactics employed at Irvine. There okay. feels like maybe feels like there was some stuff outside the rules that went on. Interesting. Yeah, so it's uh, it's not good. They used to be friends, not so much huh. now. Huh. So that was a big one for Fergie. He loves beating John. I'm sure. He beat John's team, and uh, kudos to the Trojans for playing well. Madison McKibben, best match of the year for him. And he played exceedingly well. His previous best was 11 kills and 333 for a percentage for this season. He had uh, 12 kills, and I think he hit 360. And that hasn't happened often with Madison. His stats have been, let's say, less than stellar when it comes to hitting. He's been a very good defender. He's been passing the ball well for them, and that's why he's been in there. He started the first four matches at opposite. Without for five or six matches, he started the last eight at outside hitter. But his, still, his hitting has been positively atrocious. But the rest of his game has been good, and then all of a sudden he got his hitting going. Big difference for the Trojans. Oh, I, uh, 3-1 victory, by the way. Watch that match. When I got back to my hotel room, it just happened to be on the Pac-12 network, and I heard Kevin's voice. I just kind of put my suitcase together because I was leaving the next morning, and I heard Kevin, and then I ended up watching the entire match. Nice. Yeah. Well, then you, you got to hear the Suicide Doors mentioned. I did. The Suicide Doors commercial. I did. I, was, I heard you start talking about Cam Green, uh, one of the assistant coaches for USC, and I was like, yeah, I know Cam because he plays the conga drums when the Suicide Doors perform live. And then uh, Kevin kind of mentioned that on air. He could be seen here locally with, the, with his group, The Suicide Doors. Yeah. Appearing with appearing The Suicide with, Doors. Yeah. It wasn't his group. It was appearing with The Suicide yeah. Doors. Yeah, yeah. And he can also be uh, seen in Vegas, May 16th and 17th, appearing yeah. with his, father at the, his father-in-law at the Smith Center. His wife's name, by the way, Rebel. 
Legit name. Real name. That's what her parents... Rebel Green. That's what her parents named her. She's Rebel. Australian. Mm-hmm. Father apparently a big deal in Australia. Big musician. Like Hasselhoff, Germany big. Yeah. But he's not from the United States. He's Australian. Like right? when Cam performed with him for the first time, I was like, how nervous were you that if you messed up that, you know, like your relationship with your uh, father-in-law could be ruined? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that would be tough, man, to step in. You're not a musician. You step in and, and perform. Yeah, because Cam's not a traditionally trained musician. He taught, he's self-taught. Yeah, that's what he yeah. said. He said he's got the things at home and he just kind of, yep. you know, goes off. And... But you said before on this program, he's good. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have him perform live on stage with me if he was not, Kevin. Well, you can't might, be, you can't might try make, him once. Can't be making me look bad. You might try him once, and then he sucks, but That's true. you've had him back several times. So of course, yeah. Yeah, he's been good. Um, well, I was watching that match, Kevin. Maybe you can enlighten me a little bit. But I was – I never – all of the – and I hate to say the sets – Started out very close. Yes. And then USC kind of pulled away, except for in uh, set two that UCLA won. But I never really noticed, like, what was the big difference that USC just did better than UCLA to kind of pull away? Like, Madison, it, it, Madison McKibben collecting kills was big. Gotcha. Yoder has continued to be tremendous. Lucas Yoder, freshman outside hitter. He's amazing this year. And then UCLA did not convert on a lot of opportunities. True, but I didn't feel like the serving was so tough. Like, it just didn't get a... They seemed like they were in system. Micah served well. Yeah. A couple of opportune times. Mm -hmm. UCLA did not handle the ball exceptionally well. And this is a reversal of the first time they met when it was UCLA that really put USC on the defensive. Seven aces. Yep. Seven aces, and I think only on 12 errors. And I think USC had two aces and 14 errors or something in that first set. I have to go down and get my book. Figure that one out. But this... Or the first time they met, not first set, first time they met. This time, you went through three sets, and all of a sudden it was three aces for SC, or four maybe, and only three aces for UCLA. It was very close. It was exactly even. Yeah. UCLA is a mash squad right now. They need some help. They've been in a ton of injuries, aren't they? Like missing half the lineup. Put it on the broadcast. Basically what they had was they, they had a setter playing outside and a libero setting. So Hagen Smith has been recruited... The As son, a libero, the son of Sinjin. No, okay. Sinjin's son. He, you know, he played setter in high school, yeah. so it's no surprise, but he was recruited as a libero. He was in the mix with Ian Sequeira for the starting libero position at the beginning of the year. Didn't win that. He's in, a, in the reserve role as reserve libero. Or the third setter. Well, Steve Odell goes down back in January. They're starting setter. All of a sudden, Michael Beals is in. Michael Beals doesn't play so well. Hagen Smith comes in and plays. Michael Beals gets hurt. Hagen's the only setter on the roster. They have another guy, like some redshirt guy who was the backup at that point. They're, at that point, three setters deep, not like Irvine because they want to be, but because they have to be. <laughs> now they have Jake Reeves, who got his very first action. He was supposed to be redshirted. Nope. Welcome to the match. <laughs> Welcome to the MPSF season, Jake Reeves. You're listed as a setter on the roster. Go play outside. His mom's an Olympian, 84 Olympian for the women, and an excellent player, but... Welcome to the season, freshman, redshirt, guy. Yeah, no doubt. Guy. Robert Page. Guy. Who's filling guy. in for Kirsten? Well, Kirsten was getting filled in by uh, Mitch Stahl, who was opposite hitter. outside, right. but has played middle blocker for the last four matches and was their best blocker. That's not a good sign. So <laughs> they have Mitch Stahl in the middle for Kirsten. Kirsten showed up in the fourth set. He's not 100%, but at least he's back. They have their other middle 
Spencer Rowe. Spencer Rowe, who was hurt a few weeks ago, but he's been back. He looks 100%. But the connection between he and Smith was a struggle for the first mm-hmm. set and a half. Then on the outside, they've been missing an opposite all year. They have not really had an opposite. They had Jackson Bannell playing outside hitter in the opposite spot. It's a hybrid system. Nothing wrong with that. But he's just not producing. He's hitting. Uh, I need my book up here. Like uh, one, yeah, one fifty something or two hundred. It's just not good. Well, and he's a little. He's a bit of a blocking liability over there too. Now they've got two small blockers bit. with him and Hagen Smith both being on the right side. Actually, Hagen not really a liability. Surprisingly no. so. Because so, he is. He's six feet tall. Right. But he gets up. He's blocking the ball. The team's been attacking that spot. He's been doing a nice job. But, yeah, Jackson, he doesn't even jump that high. He's watching him in warm-ups, and he's just hitting up at the block all the time. I mean, he jumps, but it's right. not. he's not jumping 50, and he's six foot one. Mm-hmm. So they've had Jackson Bennell in there at that opposite spot who's been struggling. Now Robert Page goes out. He has a bone chip so in his, in his ankle, so he's out. What do you do with that outside spot? That's why Jake Reeves plays. But now you have Gonzalo Quiroga is pretty much your only guy. You have no balance for Gonzalo. We're losing Robert Page. Highest total attempts in the season. I think he's second in kills. He's uh, 4.11 points per set. I might even be kills per set. That's four points gone. Just poof. And being replaced by Big a blocker. redshirt freshman who hasn't played yet. Redshirt freshman who hasn't played yet. Exactly. Six foot four who's listed as a setter. <laughs> so yeah, a little struggles for for UCLA, but kudos to SC. This wasn't a case of UCLA being a complete mess. USC Correct. came in, they played some of their best volleyball of the year. Mike Christensen serving the ball hard, doing a really nice job serving the ball hard. We mentioned uh, the outside hitting of Madison McKibben finally showing up. Like, hey, that's Madison McKibben that we thought we were missing last year. The outside play of Lucas Yoder continues to be tremendous. Andy Benish out of Palos Verdes, he's been really good in the middle. Another freshman. Two freshmen have really been powering this team. The other middle spot continues to be a big question. Chris Lischke in there. Tommy Leonard in there at times. I don't know what has happened to Big Bob Feathers, but he is gone. Blocker of the year two years ago. Adios, Big Bob. And Henry Cassidy is a heck of a libero. That team has potential. Well, they needed that, too. They'd been on a skid where they just got housed a couple times in a row. I went to that Stanford match that was brutal and they have talent that was the case of stanford finally playing well oh yeah stanford looked lights out but and you remember madison mckibben in that match yeah he's miserable getting stuff straight down every swing one-on-one <laughs> i don't not, think he had a kill he had, not like, a good negative <laughs> negative 300 hitting a percentage or something oh god it was terrible i know i've asked you this before would you rather hit out or get absolutely stuffed hit out for sure uh Wow, I was always the guy who got blocked. I didn't hit a ton of balls out. <laughs> Kim's like, bro, I never hit the ball out of bounds once in my career. <laughs> I'd rather because then I can make an adjustment on me. Yeah. Getting blocked, you kind of feel like crap. Yeah, but a coach tell you you should get blocked before you hit the ball out. I don't remember. I, I go back and look at the stats. I might have him around here somewhere. Talk to me a little oh, about uh, Spraw's demeanor on the sideline. The camera went to him a few times Ooh. during this match, and he doesn't really get up and say too much during the games that often. He's he, kind of sitting there. He's kind of taking it all in. Um, the Russ Rose method. He could be the coach of the Knicks. <laughs> He's Phil Jackson. Philippe. A bit. Philippe. Philip. Philip. <laughs> but he gets he gets annoyed. You can see some of the of course the annoyance yep. in him. Some of the the frustration. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get really angry. Now you don't see him really like grabbing a player by his jersey and getting in his grill or anything. A week ago, after the Hawaii matches, they come back. They're practicing on a Monday. They got tossed from practice, right? Yeah. Oh, nice. Get the 
out of here. You gotta do what you gotta do. I don't want to see anybody. Get your stuff. Get out of here. John goes to put the nets down himself. Nice. He he says, yeah. Some equipment may have gotten thrown. <laughs> there may have been some pads. Just then. The pole pads flying around. At least it was pads as opposed to uh, nets, poles. Yeah, heavier, heavier, heavier. It's yeah. got a little yeah. more damage over there. Yeah. yeah, those things could have put some holes in the nice new poly pavilion floor. Yeah. Now the question is, is how they played this. I mean, they're, they're playing with so many holes in the lineup, but did you it work it? or did it not work? Well, that was the question. <sighs> I went back, I was joking with John right before the match. He was getting up, we were chatting a little bit. He was just taking off, and I was trying to find my notes from the beginning of the year because I knew I had like five different possible lineups that he had thrown at me at the beginning <laughs> of the year. Yeah. And I looked at him and went, uh, John, you gave me like five possibilities. Not one of these looks anything like what's out on the floor right now. <laughs> so he, he just, he's just putting duct tape over holes. That's got to be point, tough. Man. I mean, you, you can't have any consistency. You know, like not the only old cartoon? in your matches, but not even in practice either, you can't have consistency. You know like the old cartoon where, where the ship starts leaking, the guy puts his finger in it, and then another leak comes up and he puts his other finger in it, and then he puts his toe in the third leak, and he puts his, his other toe in the fourth leak. I so wish people could see you right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's this John right being now. on radio is yeah. not helpful, really. Yeah. No, this is when we need a live stream. <laughs> Kevin's uh, about three feet away, or uh, maybe a good five feet away from me, and his foot just touched mine as he was demonstrating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Stopping the sinking ship, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's exactly what he's doing right now. You guys know all the cartoon. Just, poop, Yeah. And then another one starts up. Poop. Well, yep. It's almost a little, like, unfortunately, it's a mirror of what their women's season looked like a little bit oh, this year. Oh, my God. Cool. And what hey. happened to USC last year, right? You, didn't USC, like, everybody and their grandmother was hurt last year? Yeah. A lot of people were hurt last and year. And their grandmother, too. Grandma, yeah. Grandma was Yeah. grandma with that ball <laughs> yeah. in practice. <laughs> Yeah, uh, although I give John credit over Mike Seeley. He isn't leaving his best player out half the time in the back row. True story. That mystified me this year from Mike, and I love Mike Seeley, but Mike, what are you doing? you got to leave your girl in there. Rebecca Lowe. Rebecca Lowe? Carstolo. Carstolo. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Here, I got that book right here. Well, he's got... Oh, wait, I took all the pages out. Never mind. Oh. Dude, it's... no way i got to remember that. Come on. You know how many names? And At least you remember that? the last name. That's true. That's the right yeah. last name. Carstolo. I remember. We'll see her again I remember well, especially when she's the only kid producing any kind of offense for them. That was that was yeah. a little mystifying. I keep seeing the women's team, some of them cheering on the men's team, which is cool. They were doing the tight, bright theme. I don't know if you saw them on the broadcast there. What does that mean? Neon everything, neon fishnets, oh, yeah. whatnot. Oh, that happens a lot at the basketball games. Too. Yeah, tight, yeah. bright. That's the theme this year. So. Tight, bright. Tight, bright. All right. I like it. Uh, speaking of people that no, no. look good in bright clothing. No, no. Don't talk to him. Don't. He's, he's just listening. Oh, okay. He's just driving. He's on yeah. the 405. He's just driving. Just cruising. No, we'll wait till he gets we'll there. Yeah, we'll save it. Save it for the show. Save Reed. it. Save it. Save it. <laughs> I was gonna pull out the paper. No, you want to identify guy. that girl that was on the show last week? Oh, oh, yeah. Thanks, Reed. Yeah. yeah. Do we have a Do we have a set of headphones set out for him yeah, over, the, right over in the corner? Yeah, do we have a Do we have a, yeah, there's, a cap? there's a chair in the corner. Yeah. That's facing the wall, so we have to face the wall during the show. We need a cord extension for this one. He's gonna be really out in the end. We have a just open the window. We'll put him outside. Hanging in the bamboo. Yeah, that would be good. We have College Volleyball Weekly for you here on the show. Thanks for being here on the 17th of March. We also have the Town Hall Beach Volleyball Report. We're working on getting some beach athletes in here for some reaction. Uh, working on Brooke Sweat right now because I guess she stayed the whole time. Talked to Lauren Fendrick. She was there for a little while. Brooke City, as Dustin likes to call her. Brooke City. I like that. And uh, I took some notes. I listened in for about an hour and a half in the car. Learned that I could use Citrix in the car, so that was kind of cool. Uh, we'll get into it. I'll... 
I'm going to save it right now. We'll get into it. I wish it. I was doing 16-hour days in Las Vegas. I wish I could have uh, listened. Yeah, I know. You were busy. I was in between gigs and Katie, hopping around. Katie was coaching one of her nine teams she has to coach. Yeah, she's doing the club thing, getting getting paid the dollar fifty that she does per hour. Um, so we need to check in on the club coaching. We'll tell you we're getting paid an hour over there. Fifty. This doesn't seem right. <laughs> so yeah, there's been a lot going on. You were doing that Pac-12 uh, basketball tournament there. Great tournament, by the way. And can I just say that uh, the University of Arizona, yeah, really travels very well. Yeah, it was uh, even. I mean, even last year, you know. Most of the arena's red because they're all wearing their shirts. And this year it was definitely a uh, – it was Arizona versus UCLA in the Pac-12 championship. And uh, it was a home game for Arizona. Easy drive for Arizona, isn't it? Well, it was an easy drive for people from yeah, L.A. too. Yeah, but from L.A. ever travels anywhere? That's that. They don't even come that, to games in L.A. That, Katie. <laughs> that, Katie, is a great point. Um, it was easily 80% Arizona fans. But great game. No, I don't think either team led by more than four points the entire game. And it was extremely loud, and uh, I was neutral, even though UCLA pays me. I had to remain <laughs> neutral, but uh, I was happy for them to win, and uh, it was a great game. And well, Arizona had one of the freshman of the year candidates, didn't they? For sure, yeah. absolutely. He uh, and I think they ended up getting a one seed in the uh, NCAA tournament. Anyways, are um, we going to do a uh, net live bracket challenge? We need to do challenge, challenge. There does need to be a bracket. Like there should be a bracket coming at some point. Uh, I don't know if Cam cares about college basketball in Canada, um, so there may not be a challenge. There could just be a regular challenge. Maybe it's Canadian basket, basketball. Bragging rights, bragging rights on the net live of, between the three of us. The Canadian college basketball tournament. Yeah. Well, I think that, it's got 37 teams. I think bragging rights-wise, I, I did a good job at, for the women's uh, I did pretty well on volleyball, that Volleyball, I think. Yeah, I, I was terrible. I think Oof. I dominated Kevin. I did pretty good on that one. But no. my problem is for men's basketball, I always pick Duke. And then they just want me somewhere oh, at the beginning of the thing. <laughs> the East Coast bias. Duke. Uh, childhood bias. Blame it yes. On that. They were good back then. Christian Leitner, Grant Hill. Well, when growing up, one of my really good friends' dad played there, and then he went on to play there. And so no, um, okay. watching Duke basketball. I'll, I'll, was like, I'll like, allow it then. I will oh, allow thanks. it. Thanks. Yep. I'm working on Although, some guests here. Your hometown state, Virginia, knocked them off. Yeah, they and I think Virginia got a, a one seed. Except for most of my family went to Virginia Tech, so I'm not allowed to like Virginia. Yeah, my sister went to Virginia Tech. No, so you're definitely not allowed not to like allowed. Virginia at all whatsoever. I even think saying the name bothers them. <laughs> Something about the all the kids wearing orange pants and looking super preppy, I think, is what the kind of want to just kind of want to punch them in the face. When you see them. <laughs> Sorry, anybody listening bit. to the show that went to Virginia. <laughs> it's just why you're in college. What's, what's wrong with orange? I'm wearing green today. So am I. St. Patrick's Day. Green shoes. Yeah. Nice. I thought, it was Day. I thought you were going to show me your underwear. Nope, Kevin. That's kind of exciting. Yeah, we made a little trek to San Diego this weekend with the girls and forgot it was a St. Patrick's Day celebration. Downtown San Diego was a Raging. House. Yeah. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah. It was very entertaining. How did, uh, were they in a tournament down there? No, we just went down because we finally had a day off. Oh, okay. <laughs> so nice. we had to be in Anaheim on Sunday morning. So we and by the way, San Diego. Beautiful weather this weekend in Los Angeles. Oh, man. Pool party yesterday. It was hot. I, uh, San Diego was gorgeous, too. Being, being in Vegas for five straight days, I was literally outside for maybe 20 minutes total. So when yeah. I got home yesterday, um, after taking a very quick nap, went down to the beach for a walk just to breathe some different air <laughs> before I had to drive to Staples Center for my 12th basketball game in six days. Oh, my God. Not complaining. Just saying not complaining. <laughs> just pointing out the facts. 
I got to be in the lovely ASC yesterday down in Anaheim. Nice. So Reed's picture on the wall. Reed, who has no idea who you are, who's coming right Not now. Not a chance. No. Yep. He's gonna be sitting right next to you on the couch. <laughs> I can introduce myself then. Yep. Reed, out. I'm the person that called you out on the show last week. That's the only reason you're here today. <laughs> he's in the car right now, probably yelling at us, but he's on mute, so I can't hear him. <laughs> Either that, or he's turning around and going home. <laughs> he can't turn around. He's locked into bumper-to-bumper bumper traffic That's on the true. 405. I would have got off like three, you know, 35 exits ago, but I couldn't get over, so I just decided to show up here anyways. <laughs> he just said U-turn. He's out of here. Nice. He's done. Way to go. His streak is intact. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, Reed showed up for the best show of 2014 we've had, so, I mean, it just yeah. could go downhill from there. Well, tell him I'm gunning for the Fifth Man Award this year, so. We're going to have to change the name of it. Yeah, really? Yeah. Fifth person. <laughs> The fifth yeah, to be politically award. correct. I don't, I don't no. feel the need for political correctness. That's it's totally fine. Well, you better, um, I don't know, you better come up with like a book or do some artwork for the show. Oh, that's or, true. Or, or just, showing up is a big deal. 45-minute commute down here every Monday? Come yeah, on, I mean, that's good, but... Hey, next week I'll call in from uh, we're at Southern California Qualifier, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday this oh, weekend. Okay. Give a call in from the gym. We should be in championship rounds by then. I mean, if you Photoshop a Hello Kitty sticker onto Kevin's shirt within minutes of us mentioning it on the show. Um, Gardhoff is not getting this award two years in a row. <laughs> I like Hello Kitty. <laughs> oh, man. Or maybe Kuromi oh. or Chaco. Oh, no. Chaco. 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 <laughs> where, by the way, where's the selfie pic from last week? Who was posting that I one? I posted it on our Instagram page. Is yeah, it's there? up there. It's up there. Jeremy looks hilarious. Yeah, not, not pleased. I'll show it to you. Did I, I did have, watch I the whole selfie video, video eventually. That's an awful song. It was on the radio this morning. Like People are playing this not as a joke, as a real song, and that's terrible. Selfie? Yes. It's like the number one uh, song yes. on the dance charts. There's right so now. much truth in it. That's the problem. There's so much truth in the thing. It's, it's going to be gone. And, uh, I guess that conversation goes on. Oh, my God, I'm going to throw up. Mm. All right, I'm okay. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Did I take a good selfie? <laughs> the thing is, like... I mean, they're going to get a lot of recognition from this, the chain smokers who produced that song. But they produced tons of other, like, legit party records, club records, blah, blah, blah. And then it's one of those where you pro- they probably did it as a joke. And, they, of course, we're going to put this out. And then now, all of a sudden, it's huge. <laughs> well, they went so far as to plan for the video. They, they asked for a whole bunch of submissions of selfies, and those people responded. Those were fans of the chain uh, smokers. Hold on. Katie Charles is now following me on Instagram. <laughs> Oh. I was like, I didn't see the picture. Just, it's probably because I'm not following you guys. And I probably didn't tag you in it because maybe the Net Live's not following you. That's, That's probably true. No. Fail on my part. I'll figure Hasht- it out. Hashtag social media yeah. problems. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't use my Instagram. Sorry, everybody. We should, let's put you on hold so we can Great figure out Great radio. Yeah. Great radio. Um, I did post, and I'm trying to get better at this. I posted uh, my music selections on the show on our Facebook page. Yeah. And then, uh, People like that. Somebody, I can't remember who uh, posted it, but they're like, and, and Kevin's song from last week, <laughs> Selfie, and then they put the video on their little link. <laughs> I like it. Oh, great. I got another one. I was listening to some electronica stuff. I keep, I keep oh, ending up uh, using Shazam during warm-ups. I'm using the guys. Because the college kids are putting on some legit yeah, music. The college kids are putting on some good stuff. Yeah. So. Shazam is my favorite app on my phone. <laughs> oh, it's a great question by Brian uh, McDermott. Is Barbie Girl the selfie of the 90s? Oh, Ooh. good question. Well, we've probably had some since. Barbie Girl, good song. In the no. early, hold on. God, Let no. me qualify. <laughs> Son of a. Let, there was a period at the oh end of what God. he just said. There was no like that There's was a good a song, but going. like it was like that was a good song, and then he looked at me in a full panic because no, no, no. he knew I was going to crush him. 
so then he's like, oh, no, no, hold on, I'm not done speaking. Hold yet. on. You were done speaking. Jesus. <laughs> you were totally done speaking. In the realm of stupid bubblegum pop, when you're living in Europe, that's one of those, those songs. Because I'm sitting there watching MTV um, Europe. It's the course. only thing that's on in English <laughs> during the day. Even in Belgium, where they have great television. Can you but no English Kevin? television starts till 6 o'clock. So you've got to watch MTV Europe all day. Can and all they do is play videos. See Kevin in read like, a book and not watch television. See Kevin in his 10 by 10 apartment in Belgium <laughs> just absolutely raging to Barbie Girl. After I've been shocked by the electric fence. <laughs> I'm a Barbie Girl. God, that's great. I could totally see you. That's like, around like the bluing. blue. Remember blue? No. Blue Dabu Dee Dabu Die. Oh, yeah. Remember that thing? Uh, Same era. That's when Around the World, like the first Daft Punk hit, happened. Mm-hmm. Great song. Say, well, okay, but it's the same repetitive nonsense. Jay Hasek, wait. That was Bubblegum Pop? What about Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus? A- also. A.K.A. Barney's favorite song. That was a good song. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I give it. The guy, the guy who built the tongue slide for her tour is now suing because he fell off the tongue slide and got hurt. Didn't know it was dangerous to build the tongue he slide. He was saying that they did not give him the appropriate tools for the job, and he didn't realize how uh, dangerous it was. Then and he's, he's suing the company, not necessarily her. Right, That's he, the misconception. Is that what it is? Yeah. So but he's still. an idiot, and he tried to get money for it. <sighs> Perfect. Basically. But how do, you, how do you go to your doctor? So how'd you get hurt? Well, I was constructing an inflatable tongue. I was on this giant And tongue. I fell. It's on this really big tongue. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Jay Hasek would like you to turn in your man card, please. <laughs> it's okay to be in touch with some other side of yourself. Please tell me we're not watching Selfie again. No, I'm not. I'm looking for our show so I can see the chat board. Uh, That's and Coach Hula said, uh, if that song gets stuck in his head the rest of the day, he's coming to SoCal to kick Kevin Square in the nuts. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. We had a fan who wanted to talk here. Oh, boy. Uh, uh, Reed Pretty says we have Jordan Larson uh, calling nice. in at some point. Is she on the line No, right it's just Reed right now and hope. All right, yeah. Apparently, she's, we're never, uh, ever going to let him uh, talk. So, so we'll have Jordan Larson you for you if you're a fan of Nebraska volleyball. She's just won. The championship of Champions League, European Championship Good for her with Kazan, her right? club team. I believe still at Zenit Kazan. And Jordan Larson, my all-time favorite indoor player right now. And can we ask her some political questions about what's going on over there, too? Uh, you can probably Maybe. ask her what the climate is, because yeah, people used yeah, to yeah. ask me stuff when I was over there. Yeah, we were bombing Yugoslavia. <laughs> We were bombing the heck out of but Yugoslavia I just wonder, when like, I was there. Are you so isolated that maybe you don't know? I mean, obviously you can see the news, mm-hmm. but are you so isolated that you're not aware of any of that, or...? That's not possible. My my experience is this. We were bombing Yugoslavia you when I was in Belgium. And I was playing a team that had two Yugoslavs on it who were wearing shirts associated with it. And people were asking me, well, how do you feel about this? And I said, dude, I'm a volleyball player. Who cares? Like, I, I'm not some geopolitical figure. I'm just here in rural Belgium playing some volleyball. I'm here to drop bombs on the court. I'm in the middle of a field plowed under in the Cleveland of... <laughs> Belgium <laughs> of Europe, and uh, and I'm playing whoa, some volleyball. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Belgium is not the have. Cleveland of Europe. <laughs> well, the beer's way better than Cleveland. Very much better. I had the joy of working and interning at the European Parliament during the anthrax scare. That was a good oh. time. <laughs> we weren't allowed to open the mail or pick anything up for a couple months there. Did you have to wear a hazmat suit? No, they just were screening everything, and we weren't allowed to. Pick they just up said, anything. "Don't touch anything." Yeah, they said, just "Don't touch anything." It's great. <laughs> Sixteen uh, stupid American interns at the parliament are like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> they're all looking. They're all looking at the envelope. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Yeah, take a selfie. <laughs> what are you doing here? Six six one. Six six one. Yeah, that would be a Skype thing. So why don't we uh, bring in? 
to the net live once again. One of the all-time awesome jump servers in the women's game. My favorite jump server, my favorite player on the women's national team because the way she plays the game, she hammers the ball. She's not afraid to take a big swing, even in a game that sometimes bogs down to tip, tip, <laughs> tip. Get Jordan Larson in there and have her hit it. Welcome back in, Jordan Larson. Now European champion Jordan Larson. Jordan. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Thanks for calling in, and congratulations on your Champions League victory. Uh, give us a little detail of where it was and how it went down. Uh, yeah, it was uh, crazy. Uh, we were in uh, Baku, Azerbaijan. Uh, we had uh, Robita Baku, the host uh, team, first up uh, Saturday night uh, at 7 p.m., and we came out uh, kind of slow, but uh, we ended up winning 3-0, and then we had the defending champs from last year, Vakif, in the fi- uh, the final. And uh, again, we kind of came out slow, but we finally found a rhythm and kind of took it to them and won 3-0. It still honestly hasn't set in yet, so but I'm super excited for, for this team. And, I mean, for Russia, it's been 19 years uh, since the last Russian team has won, so... Wow, 19 years. That's huge. And volleyball being so big over there, they must be going absolutely bonkers. Oh, it's been crazy. Like, uh, as soon as uh, we won, like, our director called for a charter to the president of the region. We chartered this morning, and they had, like, bands playing when we arrived at the airport today. We met with the president of the the region. And, I mean, they just are are going crazy right now and just absolutely loving it. So it's, it's an awesome environment to be a part of will you at some point because of the celebrations because of the tour you're going to go on see a shirtless putin in front of you (laughs) (laughs) i hope not i hope not but maybe it's possible you never know i was a huge volleyball fan he's shown up at the championship games and the and the other all-star events before it's possible you could have shirtless putin right there hey you never know the champions league final four being held in azerbaijan a lot of people don't realize that Azerbaijan is a huge area for women's volleyball. Is this something that's come around in the last 10 years? Because that's the only time I've heard about it. What do you know about the history of that area? And we've had American players play there. What do you know about volleyball in Azerbaijan? Yeah, honestly, I, it really hasn't come on the scene, I feel like, the last, I mean, the last five years probably, at least that I know of. So, um, but I know they're really trying to, you know, pick up the, the volleyball aspect there and just, I don't know, it's kind of a really cool environment. And there's, I think, 15 Americans this, uh, there this year uh, playing in the, in the league. So, I mean, it's awesome. It's, you know, it's a great city. The center is absolutely beautiful. And, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it, the weather's really nice. You're right on the sea. And, uh, yeah, I honestly don't know a lot about the history, but from what I know, at least the last five years, it's been becoming more popular. So, how's your living situation there? Uh, this is how many years now you've been in the same spot. Uh, this is my fifth season here, so. So it must be pretty and comfortable. I still love the Yeah, nothing. yeah. It's, I'm. I can get by enough to communicate on the court. Uh, you know, going to certain restaurants and stuff like that. I can get by by enough. You know. Um, I should be way better than I am right now, but um, yeah, it's definitely it's there's a comfort level here, and uh, they have just treated me very well, and um, they, yeah, I mean, I I can't even put into words like how well they treat me, and uh, I'm just very thankful that I've had, you know, a club take care of me for this long. 
so it's really really nice. Now, is your husband over there with you this year? Yeah, yes, he is. He came over uh, beginning of January and is leaving the beginning of April to start uh, to finish our house. Sorry, so he'll go back then. And uh, but otherwise, uh, Matt Anderson is here, the other uh, American outside hitter for the men's team, and uh, we've been hanging out a lot, and so it's good. So your husband's going back to work on the farm, and this is uh, a bunch of acreage you have in Nebraska, right? Yes, correct. We uh, bought 40 acres. My husband likes to hunt, so it's we're we're actually building on the front five acres, and then the rest is kind of all timber for him to go back and do his own thing. So, but it's actually really pretty. It opens up to a couple meadows and and stuff like that. So, but we don't plan on farming or anything like that. So, wait, pretty meadows that are perfect for shooting Bambi. <laughs> yeah. That, well, you got to be like that, Kevin. <laughs> Yeah, so, so pretty out here. Bam! <laughs> no, that's fantastic, and, and I'm getting some inside intel on you here. Something about a restaurant. Yes, yes, uh, we are investors in a restaurant. Uh, it's called the Flatwater Bistro. It's in downtown the Haymarket uh, of Lincoln, and it's I think opening approximately April 22nd and uh, a possible grand opening when I return after my season. So, yeah, it's kind of something that kind of sprung on us, and I don't know, it's really exciting, and we're excited to be a part of it, and it's some of our friends that really have a passion uh, for the uh, restaurant industry, and so we just wanted to be involved, and, yeah, it's something new and exciting. Okay, what kind of food can we expect at the Flatwater Bistro? It's kind of more like... American style, but they're really trying to focus on breakfast is kind of their main focus because uh, nobody down in the Haymarket really serves that. So that's kind of what they're really, you know, putting their, you know, stamp on down there. But it's a little more classy. Ameri- I don't know how to – honestly, I don't know enough detail to probably give you an accurate description. So I'll just leave it at that. So Plus or minus 15 pieces of Jordan Larson paraphernalia and memorabilia that will be on display in said restaurant. Uh, no, there will not be maybe three pieces of jersey and a, and a, and a, a frame picture, so not too much. But so. Sign, sign picture, how big? Are we talking 11 by 14, 16 by 20? Or an 8 by 10? No, nothing, out, nothing outrageous. I can't get like not the, can I, can I request the Jordan Larson booth. Can I have that? With, sure. Like, your, your smiling a, the, face? the one, the one cool thing about the restaurant is there is a chef's table, so you can uh, have a special reservation that you can kind of see into the kitchen and also see in the restaurant, but you're in a very intimate setting, uh, and the chef uh, kind of does a one-on-one with you and kind of talks you through the menu and stuff like that. And also, they're doing more high-tech ordering. Well, they okay. all the servers will carry iPads and they will take your order directly at the table, and they can send it straight back to the kitchen. Uh, and also, uh, they'll do the bill right there as well, so your credit card never leaves your site. So awesome. little things like nice. that that are coming you know, more available now and something that they don't have in the Haymarket as well. So, Okay, Jordan, you have 40 acres and a mule, and you have yeah. the Flatwater Bistro. All happening there yeah. in Nebraska. Yeah. How much longer are you going to keep schlepping yourself off to the national team and off to Russia? Yeah, uh, I'm still uh, 
not sure what's happening next season, so it's kind of all up in the air. Um, and I'm going to continue through Rio and kind of see what happens next. Uh, I obviously want to start a family uh, after Rio and kind of see what happens after that. If it's to try again, I don't know. I Honestly, I'm open to things, but I definitely want to start a family after Rio. Tell me about year one with Karch. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, I actually took some time off uh, after the Olympics. I was just kind of gassed a little bit, and uh, he was definitely very uh, understanding of that. And so uh, it was great. It was he's he's awesome. He understands the game, obviously, and just I don't know, just a great person and uh, someone I look up to, and so easy to talk to. You know, if you ever have a question, if you you know. You, you can go ask him and he's going to be honest. And I think that's the most important thing that, that, you know, for me, you know, moving forward. And uh, I'm just super excited to see what, you know, what the next three years bring and, and what we can do down in Rio. And uh, it's great that Karch is, you know, the head of it all. So You're listening to Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. We're talking to outside hitter and silver medalist Jordan Larson of the women's national team. And Jordan, I wonder the talent level of your gym a few years ago felt like there could have been two teams put into the 2012 Olympics from your rosters, and those two teams both could have medaled. How is the talent level that you saw this past summer, even though you were kind of in and out, how do you feel that it's progressed following the 2012 games? Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, Karch is kind of coming in and, you know, kind of keeping the same aspects that Hugh kind of had in place as far as, like, technically, you know, like how we're doing things, how we're attacking, how we're passing, and but kind of running with more speed. So, um, I don't know, I think it's, you know, we're doing well and, you know, bringing some younger players in and just getting more experience for them because we did have a lot of veterans, you know, but I, I saw so much improvement last year, you know, and, uh, you know, I think... We still have, we have a young team, but I think there's, you know, a long ways to go, and it's it's definitely, you know, uh, we can do a lot, of, a lot of things. Sorry, I'm trying to put it all into words, but I, I think it's uh, it's all possible, and I think we can do great things under Karch, So, What comes next for you now this season? How much longer are you in Russia, and what's your team doing? Uh, actually, I just found out that we will probably be in the Club World Championships, so I think that'll kind of determine how the rest of our season season will finish. Uh, before that, we were not finishing until May 18th, uh, so it's kind of up in the air as of right now. And then I will probably take a week off and then head out to the national team after that. A week? You'll barely be readjusted to the right time zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how it works, yeah. Katie. It's got to bounce right back and, and get into it. So, Yeah, I remember one season I came back from being over in Europe for six months, was home for a week, and went right back to Europe. It was like a home vacation for a week. It's a very strange yeah. deal. You're vacationing at home. Yeah. <laughs> just, just enough time to get through six months' worth of mail. That was <laughs> yeah, Jordan, how do, you, how do you go about managing your time and your, and your things here while you're overseas? It's, it has to have gotten easier since the time I played to manage everything from afar. Yeah, it is hard. Uh, thankfully, my husband does a lot of it. I mean, obviously, with the house and stuff, and uh, he's really good with everything, and... Um, Honestly, I kind of become a hermit when I'm overseas. I I feel like sometimes it's harder to talk to people at home because it makes me miss home more. So I kind of, you know, get into my own little world over here and it kind of makes time go go by faster. But 
for me, my husband is huge, and he, he takes care of a lot of things back home. So I can just focus on one thing, and that's being successful here. So. Well, how about Matt Anderson being over there? Is he your roommate? Is that, do I have information correct? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we are living together. It's I don't know. It's it's fun, and uh, yeah, I uh, he's just an awesome guy, and uh, it's nice to have so- someone here that understands the lifestyle, and yeah. you know, someone else to talk to. You know, when you're going to training, and you know, not really talking to anyone. You know, rarely, and so to come home and to be able to sit there and talk about, you know, positive and negatives of practice. And, you know, he's going to be playing in the Champions League Final Four next weekend or this weekend. And, uh, you know, so we're kind of all on the same level and it's it's nice to be around someone just as motivated. What are you guys doing for, for time off? Are we playing games, uh, categories, or are we doing video games? What, what cards? Yeah. Day? What's happening? What's the go-to? Drinking, just drinking. (laughs) Well, actually, it's kind of funny how you say that. They're playing quarters in the other room. They probably wouldn't want me to tell you that, but they're playing quarters in the other room. Yeah. And, uh, no, we we spend a lot of time watching movies, and they're big into PlayStation, so I just kind of come into my room and, you know, get on the computer and search and do other things, so why they play PlayStation. So, uh, but we do watch a lot of movies and just hang out, and we go out to eat quite a bit. So, But it's fun. Hold, hold on a second. I was sort of thinking of Matt Anderson as the third wheel, but the way you just described <laughs> me, this, it sounds like a bromance in Russia, and you're just sort of For hanging sure. out on the computer next door. I mean. <laughs> For sure. Exactly. Exactly. I give him crap all the time about it because I'm like, wait, hey, guys, I'm over here. You know, like, I'm still here. You know, <laughs> But it's, Hold on, we got to kill these aliens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, uh, we have a good, so. good question off the chat board. I want to know what your thoughts are on USAV's progression with the PVL and what would it take for somebody like you to get integrated to a team here, I mean, besides truckloads of dollars? Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would, it would be hard. Uh, obviously, uh, that's kind of the huge factor over here you know um but it, it would be possible i honestly I, i'm not i'm not sure uh i really don't know a lot about it honestly um so i i don't really have room to talk about it um so it, w- it would definitely be difficult though because uh there's definitely more po- uh popularity over here i guess would that be correct so Okay. Yeah, it, it's it's something that we'll talk about later on the show uh, about that issue and and things that went on years ago when I was a player and we were talking about starting a league. I mean, it's just the dollars are insane. There's no way somebody here's going to be able to produce the kind of money that's necessary in my mind. But uh, another good question that was brought up and Jeremy was bringing this up earlier. He wanted to know about the politics of being there with everything that's going on with Crimea and the Ukraine and all that stuff and everything went on with the Olympic Games and you're seeing things from the, the Russian side a little bit and maybe have better touch with it, but how much do people come to you with political issues uh, related to anything that's happening, tensions between the United States and Russia? Yeah, honestly, I haven't really noticed anything at all. And every time I have, like, brought it up to my my teammates, like, oh, my, you know, my parents are nervous, you know, like, you know, people are talking about it. They're like, no, like, none of it's true. Like, we you know, they have troops there and stuff like that, but, it, it, you know, there's there's no issue from their side is what they say, you know. So, 
honestly, I, I really haven't seen a lot. Uh, last uh, This last week we were in Moscow for like a scrimmage game before we went to Baku, and there was a rally, you know, but nothing that was, you know, outrageous or, you know, anything like that. So, But other than that, I really haven't noticed it or heard a lot about it besides from my family, you know, their concerns about, you know, what's going on over here. But nothing has been said from the club or any concern for that matter. So, All right, George, thanks for giving us some time here on the Net Live. Let uh, the people know where you can expect to be seen in the States coming up soon. What do you know about the early season schedule for the women's national team? Uh, yeah, they, there's a Montro tournament earlier on, uh, I think at end of May, I believe. And then, uh, Pan Am cup is in, uh, gosh, uh, is it, is it in Nebraska? no, it's not. You know, I can't think of where it's at right now. Uh, and then we have Grand Prix, uh, which is a little different setup. They're allowing more teams and it's going to be a little bit more difficult to win, uh, this time around, uh, because the top 12 are playing each other every single weekend, and uh, it, it'll be new and exciting, and then World Championships to follow up in Italy at the end of the year. So it's going to be an exciting year, and I'm looking forward to being back in the USA gym. So, All right, fantastic. Jordan, thanks for spending some time here with us. We appreciate it. Congratulations on the victory, and, uh, yeah, try and break up that bromance a little bit. <laughs> okay, I'll try. Thanks. I guess this song is dedicated to your husband, Luke. <laughs> Be a read pretty. Awesome. Thanks, uh, uh, all right, we'll see you later. See ya. Bye. See ya. Jordan Larson checking in from Russia. How else are you going to get that anywhere? Way to come through, read pretty. <laughs> all I killed was a 12-pack. Yeah. I like it. I love it. By the way, Zach Brown Band, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show last no, week. No, no. That was concerning when Kevin started talking about music. They are the marijuana of country music. Okay. All right, explain the analogy. Go. They're the gateway drug. And I don't think marijuana is the gateway drug anyway, but uh, alcohol, alcohol would be the gateway drug. Just get you my just, But they're the gateway drug to country. You're like, oh, I kind of like Zach Brown Band. You're like, oh, I guess I kind of oh, like country. Oh, then a little I like bit. country. Damn it. No. <laughs> well, my, as my wife was pointing out about country, it, it used to be you'd think of country about, like, you know, your double wide burned down and your dogs all died because they were underneath the, the double wide and couldn't get out and you, <laughs> your wife left you and all this other crap. Now it's pretty much about, like, trucks, drinking, and girls. If you're I'm ever, down with country. If you're ever on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and the question is, what is DJ Rouché's favorite country song? And you need a lifeline, or you just need you just need to know this off the top of it's your head. A very specific case. millionaire yeah. question. Yeah. Very specific. Just in case. It's kind of like Cliff on Jeopardy, but anyway. Just in case. Yeah. Country boy can't survive. Hank Williams Jr. Love the song. Don't know why. Absolutely love it. Huh? You got it on your uh, little uh, machine let's there, buddy. See here. See if you can pull that up. I would prefer you not to call it a little machine, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff from Jordan Larson. Good to hear from her. Yeah, politics, this is something that... Oh. If you're living in Cleveland and you're Russian, you're not dealing... Is that the second Cleveland 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 reference today? Something, a second Ohio reference? in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) I live near there. You prefer Topeka, Kansas? What do you want to go to? Topeka or Dubuque? (laughs) If you're in Dubuque, Iowa, and you're Russian, you might have your friends ask you about some of the stuff between Russia and the United States, but you're not involved. You're just there living. 
And the thing about the, the people who don't understand, who don't travel and see the world and, and get out there and, and see the wider parts the world has to offer, the more people you meet, the more cultures you visit, the more you realize we're all the same. Color, creed, ethnicity, history, doesn't matter. Everybody pretty much wants the same thing. Leave me alone. Let me enjoy my family and who wants to be a millionaire in whatever language it happens to be in. You know, that, that's it. Or this version of The Office. I just want to watch this version of The Office tonight. The Office Afghanistan. That's got to be a good one. But that's it. People are the same. They are the same. And geopolitics, unless there's a war in your area, unless Topeka is fighting insurgents, you're not really going to have to worry about it for the most part. For the most part. Now, if you live in Crimea, you might have some problems. Correct. But if you're somewhere else, probably not. Didn't Reed come back from, like, Turkey, like, a week before they had all the rights and stuff over there, too? Yes. No. He did. I mean, it's a hazard. For sure. If things go wrong in your city, that's different. But if you're talking about Russia, let me put my hands out wider. Everyone see this? Russia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which, by the way, Stop is touching, a, lot, a lot bigger than the United States on the map. <laughs> yes. And you're in one end. Something happens on the other end. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The news goes much. crazy. It's like here. I got the Amber Alert again last week. I don't know where the girl was. She wasn't here in Redondo Beach, so probably hey, I'm not going to find her. But just in case. It was Long Beach. No, I have no I problem with Amber. One. Oh, it was, yeah. I have no problem with, with that. If it's, that at least was close. It's when something happens in that Colorado. Yeah. yeah, anywhere else. Trinidad, Colorado. Okay. It's not next to Uganda. A girl disappears in Trinidad, Colorado, and somehow I'm supposed to worry about my son here. Come on. Hey, they could be driving down here. Although those Amber Alerts scare the crap out of me. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Sound on the phone. Up. Like in the other room. And I'm just like, what? Like, I've never heard that fire alarm in my house before. What's happening? <laughs> like, is it a tsunami? Like, do I need to get to higher ground? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was loud. I was sitting here doing some work at the desk and flew me out of the... Blah. Gotta do what you gotta do. That was nice that Jordan called in. That was fantastic. Sorry that she has to sit through Call of Duty all the time. <laughs> the bromance. I love it. Matt and Luke. We need uh, Matt Gardhoff, a little Matt and Luke heart. <laughs> nice. That's what we need. I could probably do that one, actually. 19 years since the last Champions League champion came out of Russia. Pretty cool. Well, she said it hadn't really sunk in yet. Three zero three zero. Way to go. Oh, smashing. Smashing. That's the way to do it. If you're going to win a championship, just flat out crush it. Welcome Get to the, the stress out there. Welcome to the finals. Sorry, I just smashed you down. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> Bye. And yeah, Azerbaijan, you, you'll hear about that. How about that? 15 Americans playing in Azerbaijan, and for good money. Awesome. Good money. That's where you want to be. Well, isn't Azerbaijan, their Americans can only play in certain matches because some of the teams have more than two. And so they have to pick That may one. be. Yeah. Foreigner rule. I've been on teams that have too many foreigners, and you suit Because that means you can only yeah. have how many? Two or three, I think, at a time. Eligible to play or on the it court on the country. time. Yeah. Well, different. Different. It depends on the country. Sometimes it depends it's, on what match they're playing in. There are many times there are rules for who's on the court. There are also rules for how many on your roster. So you can have more on your roster than are in the court at yeah. one time. So you could have a backup, and you could play the foreigner rule that way. And, yes, sometimes the, the Champions League rule will differ from the country rule. So you'll have players that will sign just Champions League deals. Ryan Millar, a few years ago, yeah. signed just a Champions League deal. Which is, by the way, the best thing to do. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, oh I'm only man. playing in the Champions League matches. Thank you guys for getting me to the finals. Yeah, I'll come, I'll come help you win it. That <laughs> is a good deal. Let's take a short break. We're still working on Brooke Sweat. Still waiting to hear back from her. Uh, Country Boy Can Survive will be coming up during this break. We'll talk about town, the Town Hall Beach Volleyball Report. We'll have the College Volleyball Weekly. A little more information on what's happening in the men's game. That should be fun. 
that and maybe Reed. Well, he's still on. He's 40 minutes on hold, so he's got maybe another mm, 10 minutes before he feasibly could be here. I don't know if he has that many minutes left. He's got to cut expenses. He didn't go overseas this year. Well, he has new tires, so his tires should get him here perfectly. Yeah. In his <laughs> Chevy Cobalt. Country boy can't survive. Enjoy. Now, don't take your headphones off, Kevin. You just listen to every word. <laughs> the preacher man says it's the end of time And the Mississippi River, she's a gold grind up and the stock market down and you're only getting mugged if you go downtown I live back in the woods you see my woman and the kids and the dogs and me I got a shotgun a rifle and a four-wheel drive and a country boy can survive country folks can I can plow a field all day long I can catch catfish from dusk till dawn Make our own whiskey and our own smoke too Ain't too many things these old boys can't do Grow good old tomatoes and homemade wine And country boy can survive Country folks can survive Because you can't starve about And you can't make a run Those wooden old boys raised on shotguns We say grace, we say ma'am If you ain't into that We don't give a damn From the West Virginia coal mines and the Rocky Mountains and the Western skies. And we can skin a buck, we can run a trot line, and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. I had a good friend in New York City. He never called me by my name, just Hillbilly. My grandpa taught me how to live off the land, and he taught him to be a businessman. He used to send me pictures of the Broadway nights, and I'd send him some homemade wine. But he was killed by a man with a switchblade knife For forty-three dollars my friend lost his life I'd love to spit some beach nuts in that dude's eyes And shoot him with my old forty-five Cause a country boy can survive Country folks can California and South 
South Alabama and little towns all around this land. We can skin a buck and run a trot line and a country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. Wow. You're welcome, everybody. Wow. Here's the thing. People may have been complaining about that while they're listening to it, but they listened to every single word of that song. Well, one of the fun things is you can understand all the words. Correct. That's kind of cool. Let me uh, let me explain something to you about my musical taste. Kevin. Oh, oh. Okay. Let me let me pause everything yes, else. I'm don't doing do here. anything else. You don't me, get. Don't. I'm not looking at any of my three devices. No. Don't None do of my anything, notes. Don't do anything for the show. Pay attention to me. There. Wait. I'm ready. This <laughs> is driving to Palm Springs a couple weeks ago, a little weekend, you know, getaway, Ooh. road trip. My iPod goes from, like, Imagine Dragons. Which is overplayed. Good choice. Now. Okay. But deep cuts on the album. Yeah. Still love to, those. like, Johnny Cash. Yeah. To Kendrick Lamar, who's a rapper. Okay. To... Thank you for clarifying. To Major Lazer, who is, like, Major a type stuff. So, like, yeah. that's, like, I run the gamut of music that I like. Uh, you'll never hear me say I hate X type of music. There may okay. be certain genres I don't like as much, but my musical taste is wide and fast. I've been listening to some electric stuff. It would be electro, but okay. <laughs> what did it say? I don't know what it said. Did it say electric? Probably said electro. It's electric. Look out. I have to go all the way past here. It's a lot of different stuff. Um tell Jay that yes I saw his post regarding the dishwashing uh, DJ setup <laughs> I just saw the photo he, Jay had a photo of how you can uh, help scrub your dishes it looked like two turntables in the sink with <laughs> instead of the uh, instead of the needle they were something like, he's putting on the chat board yeah uh, on the Facebook page they were foam there was the foam scrub pads that you wash your dishes with yeah. so mm-hmm. you put it on the turntable this morning. <laughs> this is hilarious. Jay has too much time on his hands these days uh, well Jay's I think going to be able to has, gonna have some bragging rights when he calls in today right yeah, they beat Northridge. Loosely. Well, he, yes, but I'm talking like something that he uh, made a statement about. Um, oh, yeah. Let's yeah, go have some bragging Kevin, rights. are you ready to eat some crow today? Ooh. Yeah, Kevin. What, why am I eating crow? I don't understand. Because MPSF team lost to a Conference Carolinas team at home. Yeah, but I've got some inside information on that. Oh, jeez. There's I always don't. a qualifier. Just, it happened, and you said it wasn't going to happen for... They were all sick. Uh-huh. They could only play with one leg and only and with their we'll left, and with their, and with their left blah, hand blah, blah. and with their left hand. It was a sitting team versus a standing team, <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Exactly. Just be prepared to eat crow when Hasa calls in. Well, see, if it. you knew if you knew what I know, you wouldn't be so uh, so aggressive. Hey, bro, wins you a win. Know anything you want, they got the W. Win is a win. Whatever. You qualify. You, so you, you qualify. USC's win from this weekend because all of UCLA was hurt. Yeah. No. Nope. If everyone was doing a great job, then everyone would win the championship every year. I dominated. <laughs> why, why are those two back-to-back? That oh, you, must have, you missed this one, then. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. <laughs> it's so counter to everything I teach my kids in flag football. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just screwed around. Yeah, now I'm just hitting buttons. Uh, who's 949? Who cares? That, who cares? That's that harsh. Yeah, maybe it is hot, Jay. That's Jay or Robbie. We're going to get their names that pop up when uh, <laughs> I got to start remembering phone numbers. 
barely remember my phone number. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, I think Blogtalk could improve that. They could add that feature. Or if like we could add, or if we could add it in. I'd appreciate if Facebook would help me out. I wouldn't have to sign in 15 times just to see a post that people have put up. What's wrong with you? Mario Karting. Sounds like a good idea. Um, no, Jay's 814. Is that Rob the Mike, man, poor night? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. We got both our guys? Let's, uh, no, 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 not yet. What? Stop panicking. What? Stop panicking. Just one in there. We can spin up the music. Cause it's 11 on the dot right now. Yeah, we'll be on time for once. All right. It'll be all right. Wait, there's an actual time for this? <laughs> yes, Katie. This is welcome. A, this is a well structured. This is a well structured show. Welcome to the show, girl from last week. <laughs> oh, Reed hung up. Wonder if that means he's parked outside. <laughs> he make it. Or he doesn't want to listen to college Bible week. Ten out of minutes. <laughs> or he got annoyed with us and he turned didn't around. Didn't pay his bill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the American Volleyball Coaches Association has been the proud sponsor of the College Volleyball Weekly for a number of years now, and it is still the men's season. Some men's teams, some boys' teams out there playing. We're not sure who's who, but we're trying to separate them as we get down the stretch. It's just past midway, and teams are starting to think about playoffs coming up pretty soon. The finals will be held first weekend of May at Loyola of Chicago. It'll be top six teams looking to get into that final four. Figure that out, ladies and gentlemen at home. <laughs> but this is College Volleyball Weekly, and we have our correspondents, Jay Hosick. And Rob on the mic, surfing. What is going on, boys? Good morning, gents. <laughs> Shaking Hello, down gentlemen. in L.A., right? Robbie, we hear it's 3 yeah. to 5 in Huntington. We want to know how it was in Belize. Robbie, don't tell me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, Robbie. It was crappy. Please 3 to 5 offshore crappy. conditions all day long in Nicaragua. Yes. Oh. <laughs> awful. That's awful that you I think I've tanned to, to black. I, 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 I can't. I only see my teeth in the mirror. So. <laughs> are you a lighter shade of blue now, Robbie? Is that what you are? I said black and blue. That's right. <laughs> hey, by the way, did you guys get my post about uh, the, K- the the racing, the Mario Kart racing? Yes. Oh, yeah. Saw that. Princess Peach How is here next year. That is the sweetest thing I have ever seen. We have got to do that instead of just boring K1 racing. <laughs> well, you've obviously never been K1 racing. Boring K1 racing. Those two things don't go hand in hand. No, if you put Mario Kart action into it, realistic Mario Kart action, I'm telling you right now, it does make it boring. Hey, I'm just not happy that the carts are small and I look like King Kong or Bowser. I'm just not happy about that. (laughs) I thought you were going to be the Mushroom Girl more than anything, but Ah. the Hello Kitty reference. No, that's for you, Jay, the Santa Cruz appeal. Sweet. Yes. I'll have fake fake dreadlocks coming out of my helmet. Somebody put dibs on Toad. I don't know who put dibs on Toad. Manzi. Yeah, he put dibs on Toad. That's fine. I'm the best. But over here, Jeremy, he's definitely going to be either Mario or Luigi. He's he's the right size. I'm, I can't decide it's which is worse. Mustache capability, I think, is what we're really looking yeah. for. What did you just say? Uh, you're the right size to be Mario. No, I know, but what are you saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, what what are you implying? Is basically what I'm asking you right now. I'm not sure exactly. Are you good with a wrench? We're going to talk off air. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's get into this here, boys and girls. Uh, Robbie, let's start with you. We haven't heard from you for a week, but I want to talk about Pepperdine. They had a pretty huge week. Went in and defeated UCLA 3-1 and then defeated UC Santa Barbara 3-2. A couple of big wins on the road. Oh, yeah. Gosh, uh, Tuesday night, you know, watching for my, my, uh, my Internet connection and my, my one megabit bandwidth of the, the stat tracker, but gosh, they had a, an incredible and well-balanced attack. They had four 
ways in double digits. Uh, Kalmbach, Taylor, Tarantino, and who am I missing on that fourth? But they basically had you held Taylor? Kelly to uh, Taylor. I think I got him in there. Had 17 kills and hit 355. And um, gosh. They held UCLA to 156 hitting, and I'm telling you, they, UCLA's having some opposite problems there. Their opposite that night hit negative 056, and uh, yeah, it was pretty brutal. And as a team, in the fourth set, UCLA hit negative .028. So Pepperdine, uh, along with great blocking, great offense, they were able to shut down the UCLA attack pretty well. So you know, look for that that opposite problem. Uh, to be a major factor here at this this home stretch here to, to end off the season for UCLA, you know so, they've got to so get on that a comedic, up going. On a comedic note, Robbie, sorry to interrupt. Does Sparon now not let them get on the bus back home and makes them find their own way home so that because he can't kick them out of the gym there? <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and then Pepperdine against UC Santa Barbara. Now UC Santa Barbara is one of the hotter teams in the MPSF right now. They out block UC Santa Barbara 14 to 6 and uh, only had 14 hitting errors versus Santa Barbara's 27 so you know who's making the make the, the late rush for them right now is Matt Tarantino he hit 688 for that match against uh, Santa Barbara and gosh they are Pepperdine is, is kicking it up at the right time so your your alma mater Kev better track them track them well so of course, that's, why we, that's why you put them first on the list that's why just just for clarification, Bruins and Gauchos can't surf. So just so everyone knows, uh, that relates back to an old dot matrix printout that the super fan used to put up in the gym every match we had. Cardinal. Not only did surf. they do it for them, but they did it for us too when we came down and played. I remember it distinctly. It said, "Banana slugs cannot surf." <laughs> so, not sure why how that happened, there. but okay. Hey, speaking of the Stanford Cardinal, they had a couple of good wins this week against Hawaii. Stanford, 3-0 the first night, 3-2 the next night. Robbie and Jay, I'll give you both this one on Stanford. They seem to me to be the most dangerous team because they, I think to this point, have underperformed. But if they can hold it together the way they have the last couple of weeks, I think they have to be in the national championship conversation. Ooh, that's a, that's yeah. a strong that's... statement because right now it's looking like, who can win on the road? And if the playoffs were to start today, Stanford would be on the road. Um, you know, jury's still out for me. They are good, though, and they're getting consistent play out of Brian Cook, Stephen Irwin, and Steve Mahalski. So, you know, you know, the supporting cast there, the rest of the team's going to have to deliver on that. Uh, some experience towards the end here uh, playing away, which is going to be huge for Stanford because they play uh, USC Pepperdine, and then they're at UCI's their toughest road match, I think, on that stretch. So, you know, it's looking good for them, but they've got to get in that top four in the MPSF tournament to get get out of that 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 first quarterfinal round. Well, the, the the word on the street from the coaches I'm talking to when I was out in California, Stanford is probably the best team in the MPSF right now, and. Uh, the reason they're saying that is not necessarily the win-loss, but the teams that have seen them recently, they're all making the same statement, that they seem to be firing on all cylinders, that they're keeping the court 30 feet wide, their hitters are all being successful, they're playing good defense. You know, James is doing a really nice job distributing the ball, and he's obviously a force at the net when he's blocking. Stanford is a team right now that I think, you know, over the course of the season there's been a team that's been hot at the moment, and right now Stanford is it. But from what I've heard, 
they were always a team that people didn't want to play early on in the year. I think they're just kind of figuring it out right now and finally pushing through and finishing matches. So Stanford's a team I would want to see later on, that's for sure. And they needed those wins. You look at those wins against Hawaii, and, and you know, we were talking about the last few weeks that, you know, that eighth and ninth and or seventh, eighth and ninth spot were all really tight. Well, now what they've done is Stanford has kind of put some distance between number eight and number nine. Hawaii has now fell to ninth place two matches behind the next team above and has given themselves a little bit of breathing room. So, you know, six weeks coming down the stretch here, it's going to be really, really a, a big dogfight for that ninth team. I, I still think it's, there's probably two or three teams that are going to be in the hunt for getting that eighth spot, but Hawaii did not do themselves any favor. And they've got a big couple of matches coming up. When you look at their road schedule for spring break, they played Stanford Friday and Saturday. They had Sunday off, and they play UOP tonight and UOP tomorrow. Now, on the normal, huh? that big doesn't matches? sound like that. Well, here's why. On the norm, that does not sound like a big deal. You think Hawaii should be able to win those matches. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. UOP had the weekend off, and this will be the fourth match, third and fourth match in five days for Hawaii on the road. That's the big deal. That could be a trap match. One of those matches, they've got to win both those matches that they want to keep in contention. And, I, I, you know, UOP is obviously, you know, for, you know, they're not having a great year for obvious reasons, and we all know why. But you want to go away with a bang and play spoiler for the rest of the year on somebody. This could be the mess that does it for them. Well, you know what to say with Hawaii, though, although they have the two Pacific matches, they close out their season with two against BYU and then two at Pepperdine. So yeah. I don't know. The, the door's closing, I think, for Hawaii. I'm, I'm, I love Hawaii. I love watching Hawaii volleyball. But, man, they've got, they're going to be coming across two really hot teams. So, yeah, great with the Pacific one, but they've also got to come up against two monster, monster teams playing right now. Yeah, that's very true. And, and although they did beat UCLA twice in the week and they lost to Irvine the next weekend and – uh, you know, UCLA is probably a show of what they formerly were earlier on in the year, so maybe not as big of a win, but still big wins to help their cause. But they've got to get these two matches this weekend if they're going to do any, if they're going to make a final push for that eighth spot. Looking at the MPSF standings, one of the things that's happened is the bottom group has not performed the way that you expect some years where they will pick some people off. You go down to number 11, Cal Baptist has two wins, two wins, 15 losses. Pacific, one win, 15 losses. We all know why their program going away. UC San Diego, not so many excuses. They've defeated Grand Canyon. That is it. They are 0 for in MPSF play as of the two above-mentioned teams. They are 1-18 on the season. Those guys, less of a threat. That's allowed a lot more room for these middle teams. Cal State Northridge, 6-10. and 10. And if you look at MPSF-only standings, they are 7-12 and 12 in conference. Hawaii, 11-10 and 10 in conference. Things, things in conference getting a little less, less compact, but still very, very close. But, Jay, there was some non-conference action this week, and you were part of it as Long Beach State <laughs> took on a couple of East Coast teams. Well, one Midwest, one East Coast. Uh, 3-2 with Ohio State and 3-0 over the good guys. Yeah, you know, uh, Ohio State Mess, we came out for uh, for the active banquet at Long Beach State. They put on a real nice tournament, uh, and they put us up in a nice hotel, and they take good care of us. In Ohio State, the first night, going up two games to one against uh, Long Beach, and they go into the fifth game, and they're up 8-6, and, and I'm not making any excuses, but I think they got hosed on a couple of calls that probably could have helped their cause. However... That being said, Long Beach played really well to finish up the match, and they ended up winning 3-2 against uh, Ohio State. 
And then we played Northridge. Uh, we beat them in three straight, moved on to the next night. And uh, we uh, Northridge and Ohio State battling it out, going five again. Uh, and unfortunately, Ohio State for the Miva, they, they came out the losing end again, so they went 0-2 on the weekend. But two good matches for them nonetheless. We ended up playing Long Beach. We're up, uh, we're, we're up 23-21 in the second and looking to, to you know, push the match and extend it a little bit and just couldn't finish it out. I think the thing that Long Beach does really well is they're really fast in transition. And if you're not prepared for it, if you're scrambling around, you know, the next thing you know, you're, you're getting your spot and the ball's already on the floor. And I think uh, Connor Albright was doing a real nice job distributing. He runs a nice, nice quick-tempo offense. Obviously, Taylor Crabb does his thing. I thought Satterfield did a nice job on the right side. We, we looked at him and thought, okay, well, we'll get a few here and there, but we didn't think he was going to be uh, maybe as big of a force as he was. And I thought he did a really nice job for them. So, you know, we walked away from the weekend knowing, you know, we walked into the weekend thinking this is going to be a good gauge for us to see where we're at. And I'm sure Ohio State said the same thing. You know, I think all it does, what, what I take away from the weekend is it's still anybody's game. Anybody can be anybody on any given night. And, you know, you get hot at the right moment and all your players are firing in all cylinders. And it's going to be a dogfight for anyone going into that final weekend. So uh, we're excited about that. I know Ohio State is and, and a few of the other teams. But, you know, the other big match of the weekend, Barney, and, uh, you know, Here we I'm go. sure uh, Robbie knows about this. Here we go. I made the prediction last week that somebody in the Conference Carolinas was going to beat an MPSF team. And lo and behold, when the universe, when there was a need, the universe will provide Erskine coming out to the West Coast playing John the Baptist out in Riverside. We said, I think it was John the Baptist. 20 kills, right? Our Lady and Mother Tuesday, John the Baptist, beat them 3-2 in their house. Now, I heard rumors that there were not all starting players on the floor, and I'm not sure why, but I'm not even going to speculate because it does not matter. You are still an MPSF team. You still are Division One or Division Barely. Two in that realm. And, and you were in contention last year for a playoff in the MPSF. Now, with like three Brazilians last year. With two Brazilians. If you let me qualify the statement, I will agree that, yes, there were some other players on that team last year that may have made them a little bit better. However, still a very nice win for Erskine in first place in the Conference Carolinas, coming out and taking care of business with both John the Baptist and Hope International and NAI team on a Fullerton. So, what do you say, Barney? What say you on this win? Listen, I'll give Erskine the credit for the win. They get credit for the win. But the, the reality is this, Cal Bap already not a good team and struggling this year. Violation of team rules issue for most of their squad. A couple of starters gone for the year. Several other players serving suspensions. They are barely able to run a program over there right now. Erskine comes in and takes advantage. Kudos to them for getting the win. But I think this may give a false sense of security or a false sense of actual competition between <laughs> Carolinas and the MPSF. Even the bottom of the MPSF, which, as we just detailed, Cal, Bab, UC, San Diego, and Pacific are really the bottom this year. They haven't even measured up to what the bottom-level teams have done in years past. You so, didn't win. I believe they're in 10th spot, if, if I'm not mistaken, or... or uh... For 11th huh? spot, that's not the bottom. Ooh. That's not the bottom. Uh, Cal Baptist. No, they're third I think you bottom, San Diego. That's, that's what I'm saying. San Diego is the last. Bottom. 
Cal Bap has two wins on the year. And Kevin, we pointed uh, out earlier. And they're eleventh. Cal Baptist is eleventh with four at four and seventeen overall. And there you go. There you <laughs> go. They're not the, the bottom. <laughs> they're not the bottom. And well, I think we not only do we have to give Erskine credit for having that win to come out on the road and play their second match. Sure. We also have to give Barney credit for correctly saying the name Erskine and not creating a different name for him. <laughs> 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 and for that, you win a year's supply of Smoothie King of your choice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Year. My worst nightmare comes true. This is my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, anyway, good it. win for them. We we all know what, what the reality is, and it's, you know, it's not like they came in and they beat Long Beach State in three straight and handled them. What they did was they, they made a statement that they're here to play. They came out. They traveled. And, uh, and they won both their matches. And good for them. Good for Erskine on doing that. All right, boys. What else, what else do we have to look forward to here? We haven't talked about UC Irvine yet, Robbie. You've got to give us the update there. They lost to BYU 3-0. How was that match? You know, they just could not get it going, at least on off offensively. And it looked like um, BYU was just dominating all aspects of the game. And, you know, they, they came out with uh, Stork to give them a different look. Um, well, with Frizzoni, who ended up playing against Cal Baptist on uh, Wednesday. So I think they're trying to change it up, you know, with the scouting by BYU, and it didn't quite work out because, gosh, there's only one player in double digits, and it's Connor Hughes. And I think it was probably one of the the, the most, uh, well, we'll say less than average outputs for uh, UC Irvine on the season. Um, BYU outblocked Irvine 14 to 3.5, and, you know, Taylor Sander did his thing. But what I thought was interesting is we've seen three opposites play for BYU this year, Underwood, um, Henninger, and then Daubert, who is the big talk out of Germany. And he had 11 kills and hit 318. And looking at the output from all those opposites from the entire season, gosh, at the opposite position, BYU is strong because they can go in with any of those guys and get output from them, contributing, helping Taylor Sander out. And that makes BYU a very th- a threatening team to be at the top. So, you know, BYU just is, 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 is playing incredibly well this, this tail end of the season here, or this second half on. All right, Jay, give me something to look forward to this next week. Ooh, I've got a lot of matches here, but I'm going to highlight the ones that I really want to, I really want to see the results. I'm going to mention the two trap matches, Hawaii at UOP tonight and tomorrow night. Those are two that I'll be watching intently. I'm going to be watching uh, Long Beach at Pepperdine. I want to see what happens there. I'm going to be watching Harvard at Ohio State tomorrow night. I think that's going to be a good one. Ohio State and Ball State later in the week. Mount Olive, Lee's McCray this week I'm going to be watching. But I think the, uh, and we go out and play Loyola and Lewis this weekend. And I think the big match that I'm going to be watching, though, is Lewis at Loyola. Uh, I want to see, you know, if Loyola is going to be true to form here and stay undefeated in their conference. That's going to be a big match. So those are the, the highlights of the ones I'm going to watch. You know, on my end, uh, both the matches I'm going to be uh, paying particular attention to both involve Long Beach State. It's Long Beach State at Pepperdine on Thursday night just because you've got Taylor Crabb and Long Beach State seems to be really dialing it in really well. Uh, Dalton Ammerman has been really contributing. Taylor Gregory uh, in the middle for the 49ers and Pepperdine, they're just hot. They've got, you know, they've got Taylor Kalmbach and now Tarantino, who's really heating up. And even Kyle Garens has been stepping up his game for the Wave. Yeah, so going, I think that could keep be going. a five-setter on Thursday night. And then again on Saturday night, Long Beach State at USC. 
I just think USC has got some serious fight in them to get that get into the playoffs. And Lucas Yoder, the fab freshman, I mean, he's been phenomenal this year. I could see him really stepping up against the 49ers. So it's going to be Lucas Yoder against Taylor, Taylor Crabb at the outsides. And, you know, I think Micah is really, for USC is going to step it up because he needs to get – USC into that playoffs. They, I think they're going to live and die by his play that night. So, you know, those are two two matches that I'm going to be checking this week, and I think they're going to be doozies. So, you know, stay tuned for those five setters on both nights. Right on, gentlemen. Thanks very much for your information. As always, we will uh, celebrate Erskine's victory here appropriately right after the show. Pretty <laughs> king for everybody. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jay and Robbie. Take care. Jay Hasek and Rob Sparrow checking in here on College Volleyball Weekly, brought to you by the American Volleyball Coaches Association. Good stuff there. We still have the Town Hall Beach Report to get to, but I'm going to bring in a longtime friend of the show. Haven't heard from him really since he got this new job. And I don't know what's going on with his boss. Next time I'm down there, I'm going to talk to him about the hours. But we got him today. He's, uh, he's been here on the program before. He's becoming a slumlord. He's bought apartment buildings. He's setting down roots. Eric Sullivan in Texas. What's happening? Sully. Sully! It's been a long time, guys. How you doing? It can is hear me? good to hear from you. Hello? Can, can you hear me? There we go. Boy, it didn't sound like you for a second. We missed you at UCLA over the weekend, man. Everybody who played for UCLA through the 90s was, was taking pictures with Al after USC-UCLA. Ah, no way. Yeah, I had a little time Metzger in there, Brandon Taliaferro, people I didn't recognize, Mark Williams. Matter of fact, we got a couple of Eric Sullivan mentions into the broadcast on Pac-12. Nice. Mentioned that you were a middle blocker and you spent a year behind the blue curtain. Is that accurate? Uh, What was the middle block? He said you were a high school middle blocker and that he put you behind the blue curtain for a year. Oh, yeah. At least a year, and he also called me Mike Sullivan for a year. <laughs> Mike Which was good. Sullivan. Awesome. And so, yeah, eventually when I got over on the other side, my name changed to Eric, and then we were all good. <laughs> well, you missed the photo out there, but we know you're happy down there in Texas. But the dream team has been broken up. We're still efforting to get Salima on here as she moves between locations. But uh, you knew that team couldn't stay together forever. You, you and Salima and Jared all together. Yeah, you know, it's a great opportunity for her. And, um, you know, we're happy for her. And, you know, she gets to go back to, uh, you know, where she played. And, you know, it's a good deal. So, yeah, you know, we knew it probably wasn't going to happen forever. Um, Jared did his best, I think, to try to make it happen forever. But such is life. So, we're moving on, as is she. <laughs> well, you guys undoubtedly will see each other again across the net. That should be a lot of fun. And so you've been at this for a, a long time now. Uh, just tell me about being a professional coach. I mean, what, you've been 10 years now, nine years? Uh, yeah, I think 10 seasons. This is number 11 that we're going to. Um, I don't know. It's a cool deal. You know, it's a kind of a, it's a nice mix. You still get your fix competing without beating up your body. And, you know, it's a nice mix of being in the office, traveling a little bit, and being in the gym. So it's not too much of one thing. And um, I don't know. I've been pretty fortunate. I've been in a bunch of good places. 
that have taken care of me. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier. It's a good deal. What's this time of year look like for you? Um, yeah, you know, recruiting is obviously ramped up. And, um, you know, we're actually just getting into our team practices with, with our team here in Texas. And so, um, you know, it's a little cooler to be in the gym. We're in the gym for about three hours a day. And um, and then we're traveling on the weekends to you know <laughs> try to find some some new players a few years out. But it's um, I don't know, it's good. You know, we go early mornings, and then um, you know I'm usually home by three thirty or four to pick up the kids from school and um, hang out. Maybe a little bit of sand volleyball if I can get it in. Oh, you're back playing. I am back playing, man. My wing is is back in the mix. So, uh, yeah, it's nice. I don't, I don't know. It's about 75 and blue skies today. So these are the these are the days that you appreciate living in Austin. Yeah, no doubt. One of the great places, one of the great cities uh, to live in and certainly get a chance to visit Austin, do it, uh, go see the bats. But this is a, a good time of year. This in, like, November. <laughs> yeah, this is – it's beautiful out right now. It's kind of brisk in the morning, but the afternoons are just perfect. You still wearing the toe condom? <laughs> weird. Yeah. So I had that. Yeah, that is weird. That's a weird thing to say, especially on the air. <laughs> but yes, I am actually on my other foot now. I had the other one surgically repaired, and now my other foot has gone awry. It's got the lazy toe going. It's doing its own thing. So I got to rein that thing in. This this goes back to Eric Sullivan, who had a, it's a capsule issue, correct? A, a, your capsule collapsed in one of the. Metatarsals or something? I don't. I'm throwing around medical terms now. Yeah, no idea. you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that's, that's actually pretty close from a guy of your educational background. What? Yes, it's pretty close. Huh? Your educational background. <laughs> okay, so Sully has this problem with the toes, where the toes will separate when he puts them down in the shoe, and so he he's wearing a a very specially designed medical device, cost uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to develop and put out by Pfizer. Or it's a cut-up part of an inner tube from a bicycle around <laughs> his two toes to keep them together. And so, so you uh, got rid of it. You got it fixed, and now the other one goes bad. You got to get the other toe fixed now. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I guess eventually, if I want to. It, it wasn't the most pleasant of surgeries, so I'm not really thinking about it very much right now. But yeah, I, I guess it's in my future. What's going on with you, man? How's your body holding up? So. Oh, it's just terrible. Just riding Drink somebody drink. Yeah, I work too much to ride too much moto right now, but yeah, it's just it's up and down. I don't know what happened, but somehow we got old, and somehow Reed Pretty avoided it. I don't know what happened, but Reed Pretty hasn't gotten old yet. It's just the top of his head that's old. The rest of him's young and fresh. <laughs> that's harsh. He's going to deal with something. He's, he'll he'll pay the price later in life. Yeah, somewhere down the line, he must be good with God or something. It must be God just favoring him. <laughs> And helping him out. I think you but, hit it right uh, there. But yeah, other than that, uh, yeah, Sully, it's all right. I'm getting by. How are you guys finding your groove? You guys welcome Tanya Johnson back to the staff. Yeah, it's uh, Tanya's awesome. So obviously, you know, it's an easier transition for her. She's been here before. She knows pretty much the whole athletic department already. And um, you know, it was kind of running from day one. She's bouncing back and forth a little bit to try to wrap some things up in Georgia, but. Um, yeah, I think she's gets back in today, and then 
she's here a little bit more permanently, and, you know, we're super excited to have her back. Our team, most of our team was recruited by her at some point, you know, before she made the transition. And so they all know her already a little bit, and they've gotten to meet her a little bit already, you know, the ones that haven't or don't know her as well. And, um, yeah, it's it's awesome. We're stoked. Is she also living in Jared's basement? <laughs> Jared doesn't have a basement. She's living <laughs> in one of Jared's, one of wing, one of the wings of his house. Of oh, his on the estate? House. <laughs> of the estate, yes. Yeah, I think she's going to crash there for a little bit until she gets settled, but, um, yeah, it's a good way to go. Hey, we know that Salima moved on. We talked about that, and I was kind of joking with you earlier about you being on shortlist for people people's hiring uh, desires around the United States. But ha- have you had any interest in the last few years in moving on? Uh, what does that climate look like? Are you at some point looking for that, or are you really happy with your situation in Austin? Where do you see this career going next? <laughs> yeah, you know, th- yeah, I get some interest here and there, and it's flattering and. You know, it's all good, but I'm pretty happy where I'm at. And for me, um, you know, the, the job is, is one thing. I'm a coach, and I enjoy being a coach, but it's not the end-all, be-all for me. And for me, it's about my family and them being happy and us being in a good situation. And so all of those things are, uh, you know, are for sure very sound here. And so I don't know. Would I like to be a head coach someday? Yeah, sure. But it's not going to drive the decision-making process if the right situation came up, I would be happy to chat about it, but I'm not actively looking by any means. So, um, you know, we're happy. So, uh, does that, How's, does that answer your question? <laughs> sure, sure. I just, I just wonder, has Jarrett offered Shay Sullivan yet? You know, she's, uh, we're taking a hard look at her. She's, she, uh, she's got some work to do. She's, you know, in her first year of playing. And she's figuring some things out, and we're our team. I'm actually coaching her right now, so um, you know we've got a little inside track there. But uh, she's got some work to do before she's going to be at our level, I think. If there was a blue curtain, would she be behind it or in front of it? <laughs> I can't answer that, Barney. That's pretty <laughs> a perilous position at home. <laughs> For those that don't know, no, I'm having. I'm having a blast. I mean, that's one of the cool things about being here is Jared, you know, we, we do a good job or he does a good job of kind of making sure we have time to be able to do stuff like coach our kids. And um, I'm having a blast. It's really cool to be in the gym with your daughter and, you know, she's acting up and put her in the coach for one and crush her down. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I'm going to put Reese out here in the front yard soon and make sure he's all grass stained up. <laughs> Speaking of which, how old are your boys now? Dude, they're about to be 12 and 10 in May. Oh, good God. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, what's funny to think about, Sully, is that at this point, you and I are in the same boat. We've been out almost as long as we were in. Matter of fact, I think you at this point may have hit that break point because you're a year ahead of me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're we're still in a good spot. She hasn't fired me as a coach yet. And... She's got a little bit of teenager in her every once in a while, but she's so great. I think we're losing him. Sully! No, I think we're losing Sullivan. Sully, we can't hear you. I don't know if you're driving, but thanks for calling in. It's good to hear from you. We've got to catch up soon. Hopefully it'll be in the Austin area.
sometime in the near future. Net Live Road Trip? Net Live Road Trip to Austin. I've got good friends down there, too. Got the Sullivan family, obviously, and then uh, some other good friends in Max. Austin, weird. Good peeps. Austin is, oh, it's a great city. If you get a chance to go, go. Thanks. Sully, thanks for calling in. It's good to hear from you. Good to hear he's back in. Good for him, man. Good for him. Uh, I want to welcome to the show now uh, a gentleman who was in traffic for two and a half hours, uh, currently managing his social media on the on the phone. Oh, no, I saw golf. And then like eight apps open for golf. He's got his own <laughs> folder, for crying out loud. Uh, sitting in the sunshine on the couch here in the sitting. home court. This guy's lounging on the lounging, couch right now. Sorry, lounging in the home court. Read pretty. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, first time, long time. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making the drive there, Reed. Yeah, that's such a that's the worst drive. The South Bay is just really hard to get to. What are you talking about? Oh, First of all, it takes George you County. twenty twenty five minutes to, just to get to the freeway from your house. Right. You mean like the freeway is as hard to drive up and down as it is to make an unprotected left in Orange County? Try finding one of those. <laughs> I can see for two miles straight down the street where the speed limit's forty five miles an hour, and I'm sitting behind a red arrow. Thanks, Huntington. Yeah. Well. We like to keep it safe. <laughs> I don't know. It's just so far from the freeway. You know, Huntington's like that too. But yeah, we both so are. Then you got to go. You know, just schlep through. You get off the freeway. Like, yeah, I'm almost there. Twenty minutes later, yeah, I'm still not there. Yeah, it's just a lot of concrete between the two of us. <laughs> if we get the NetLive helicopter, maybe a drone. I mean, it would be like four minutes. We're not that far away. No, it's actually only you six miles. You could almost miles. throw a football yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to my house. That's like here to Pepperdine. People are like, oh, why don't you go catch some matches at Pepperdine? I'm like, okay, it's 22 miles. If I had a boat. Which is two hours. Yeah. It is literally two hours. I've got to drive 10 miles inland, and then i got to drive 20 miles north and 10 miles back I know. to the coast. I make that haul down here. That's right. Correct. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Oh, by the way. Reed, Katie, yeah. Katie, yeah. Reed. <laughs> that girl from last. The girl that called you out last week. <laughs> Who's I, that girl talking? I drive crap? in. From, I drive in from Colorado every Monday. Why can't Reed make it from Huntington Beach? Talking mad mess. <laughs> Reed, explain to me your shirt. First of all, it's a V-neck. Secondly, it says Warrior Up. So where is this from? This is a uh, nothing wrong with V-neck, Kevin. Yeah, you would oh, know. Oh, Amazon. Yeah, I didn't see the back. Love me. Some in fact, Amazon. I just got a whole. New updated uh, full fridge, fully stocked fridge. So nice. the show would you be bring back some, at, Did you bring some with you? That seems no, I'm selfish. just saying, like, if we, we could just <laughs> move the show back to my house, then it Trying to incentivize the, the show. After Reed just said what a pain in the ass it is to get to and from his house. Now right. He, now he wants to move the whole right. show to his house. And now Katie is, Katie is driving now three hours south. <laughs> Reed, weren't you in Santa Barbara this weekend? I was. How was your golf game? Um, I hit some good shots. Did you make any money for charity? You know, I uh, I kind of I, I bought some mulligans. That was a, that's what I did. <laughs> Were there no good items on the silent auction? You didn't buy back your own jersey? A Jeff Menzel? You don't have a Jeff Menzel hanging little, up at the house now? A little embarrassing. Uh, so anyway, it was a Santa Barbara fundraiser. You guys we had Rick talked on. to Rick uh, last week. And so seeing as how we don't have a program at LMU, uh, we're just up for hire. You know <laughs> what I mean? If you're trying to raise money for your men's program, uh, Did- Lions will show up. <laughs> I forgot you forgot to add the word jerks. We don't have a program at LMU. Jerks. <laughs> so Thanks I, a lot. I actually saw, even though it was their deal, I actually saw some Loyola Marymount Lions that I haven't seen in like 14 years. Cool. That was really Lee Bennett, Steve Dunn. Um, we had Lindsey Breeden, Jason Lee, myself. Um, yeah, we had a good crew. 
It was fun. Corn Bemis. And uh, so, yeah, so I donated a, uh, a jersey, signed jersey and a signed ball. And, you know, it's, it's weird to me. There's certain areas where those things can, can work for a charity yeah. and, and be good. And typically those same people that have that success will reach out to me every year and I'll, I'll hook it up. So I was thinking Rick was sending all these emails out. So I, I sent my jersey and ball up there. And I think by like three o'clock on the day, I don't think anybody bid on it. <laughs> so Reed's like, I, I think Rick just sort who of who do I like, send over there to bid on my jersey? I, I think he just kind of like took it away. Cause he like, <laughs> what? It disappeared? <laughs> he didn't want you to feel bad that nobody bid on it, so he just took it off the off the auction block. Yeah, I, I almost think like when I was looking around, I was like, you know, there's there's not like a bunch of volleyball lovers here. You know what I mean? It's it's more of like an alumni UCSB thing where typically mm. these things are like people from the community. They're coming out and they're supporting, and usually you know juniors programs, juniors fathers, mothers, etc. That's who likes that kind of stuff. But they weren't there. So, uh, so yeah, I think the gauchos were just kind of like, dude, seriously, he's going to show up to our event and he's going to bring a jersey and a signed ball. Like, get that out of here. <laughs> but anyway, we had a lot of good, we had a lot of fun. You didn't have a gaucho maybe stick his own jersey out there, and be like, hey, Reed Pretty's got his out here. I'm going to put mine. Watch the game though against your Pepperdine Waves. Oh yeah, you see Santa Barbara lost. Hmm, strange. Yeah, they were up two one, and that's when we left. Start of the fourth because we had a bunch of little kids in our crew melting down. <laughs> Evan Licht, is that how you say his name? Sure. Dominating performance. Light. Light? Light, I have here. Evan Light. Man, he was crushing serves. That's uh, a Richard Senior opposite hitter for UC Santa yeah, Barbara. Like 220. <laughs> I mean, just like barreling serves. It was, it was pretty impressive. And I guess he was just one off from setting the record and taking it from Evan Paddock. Oh, wow. But uh, I thought they, they sort of had it in the bag. They had all the momentum going. It seemed like their setter had like 15 kills off dumps. But I guess there was a, some momentum shifts in the fourth. They couldn't re- recover. I like Jonas Safe. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's one of those guys you don't hear about kind of flying under the radar as setter for UC Santa Barbara. You hear about Micah Christensen, James Shaw, Matt West. Jonas Safe, I think, is getting into that category. I mean, he's six foot eight, just a sophomore. A lot of time to develop, but he's, he's in that group. Sure. Yeah, I think I get asked all the time, like, my impressions of, I've seen a lot of matches so far, you know, my my impressions on these players moving forward, but you just, you have He's no like, idea. Not as good as me. Yeah, no, he can't, he can't hit like I can hit. How many, I was thinking about this the other day, like, how many of the stars in college, you know, had a panned out professional career? 50% maybe? Is what I well, yeah, how do you define stars? Like, if you're the guy or the girl George in count? college... Yeah. Ring? How do you count ring? That's what I'm saying. I mean, there's a lot of guys that have very that are developed and have their games tight and, and whatever. And uh, but you know the you know having a professional career is a whole different thing. Um, there are guys like Paul Neapoli who flamed out in the first year. I don't think Paul really wanted that. He wanted something else. Uh, saw him this weekend as well briefly. Mentioned the Green Flash. Got that right in there. Nice. But he's still doing television production. But Paul didn't seem very happy playing volleyball. He wanted to do something else. There are sometimes those guys because you forget with a lot of these guys. Different than basketball, volleyball players, many of them are there. That's it. They know that's it. There are very few guys like you or me or uh, George or or Tom Hoff or those other guys that really are focused on we're going to the next level after this. This is a a stopping point (laughs) with something else after it, not the end. Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys know, hey, I I may even be a good player in college, but it's pretty much over. Yeah. 
you know, lots of good players, athletic players out there, good level. Yeah, I mean, I look through this list. Okay, the setters, I think, have some possibilities. Uh, Robert Page, you'd have to give him a look. Uh, I'm just taking a look down some of my sheets here. But a lot of these guys, like uh, Lucas Yoder, as good as he is, he's six foot four. He's pretty good. But is he a national team guy? He's only a freshman. We don't know. Who does he play for? For USC. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, looking at a guy on, on the outside at Pepperdine, I think they have a guy that could be a factor. Josh Taylor, six foot seven, real long arms, built solidly. Looks like he could have a future. But can he pass, or is he going to play opposite? <laughs> Who's going to play opposite for the United States is a big question. Taylor Crabb. Great collegiate player. Does he translate to the international game? Six feet tall? Six feet tall? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I I'll, like I'll give him maybe a lot. Uh, I do, too. You know, yeah. he is bringing gas. I like that. I like Taylor a lot, but at six feet? Maybe. Maybe if he finds the right situation somewhere. Professionally, look, could you put him in, in many of the leagues around the world and have him play? Yes. National team is kind of what I've been getting at with these guys. A lot of these guys could play. Most of these guys could play somewhere. Could play in Austria, Belgium, Holland, France, uh, all over the place. Italy, you know, in the lower half of uh, first division or A2. A lot of these guys could get possibilities there. They're big enough. They're good enough players. Certainly, a guy like Crab could play in any one of those leagues. He'd be a star in most of those leagues. Chad Strickland starred in uh, Belgium for a number of years. Played very well there. There's maybe his similar player, but Crab's better than Strickland was. Uh, Let me ask you this. When you're in college, and let's say, do you have to be on the national team to get noticed by overseas teams, or not how do you, how does that work? Not anymore. I think yes, before. But with the internet now? No. Well, there's, I mean, you look at... Like, and TV. TV, there's plenty of video out there in the kids now. There's more people over there, like Tim Kelly's company at Bring It. They're taking people over. You know, there's now companies, and there's... The college teams are taking international tours, so they're getting more exposure. The people are out and able to see them. makes it a lot easier. I've had a lot of conversations with agents and players and parents in these last three months. And so it's way more on the radar than it was, you know, 10 years ago. I remember two agents had tried to reach me through different areas. And at that time, I think I was like a lot of guys where it wasn't even a thought to go overseas. It was AVP. Yeah. seemed like a great life. Now there's not really that opportunity anymore. Mm-hmm. No, there isn't. We'll get to the Beach Town Hall here shortly. I know you guys haven't heard it because USAV hasn't archived it yet. BJ Evans, I know you're in the chat board. USAV is going to take it on the head right now. They had a Citrix meeting back on, was it Wednesday? It was Wednesday last week. We're already to Monday. And a couple-hour meeting. I listened in for an hour and a half live or so. But you guys... Citrix is a big company. They don't have an archive this. Yeah, I know you recorded it. It said it was being recorded. I know John Kessel told me it's getting recorded. I reached out to John over the weekend. He said, well, everybody's up at Crossroads. Post the freaking file. We can post this show every week right after it's over. Well, most times. <laughs> but we can get it done in a day. File. Come on, USA Volleyball. Jeez. All right, I'm done. But, yeah, it's a shame that the beach isn't the option it used to be. I mean, I, I came to volleyball in that era, in 92, my first touch with the sport, and saying, I want to play professional beach. That was what I came out here to do. Interesting. I was of no level to do it, but eventually I, I was. But it was gone. And it was back. And it was gone. <laughs> like, it needs to stick around. We want to see it stick around. But it's not. Hopefully. Hopefully one day. 
It's not a business, I'll tell you that. Still, we, we've talked about that on the show so many times. It is not a business. Well, they should be announcing, uh, I assume they're going to be announcing their schedule this week because they made a post that had big news coming out, so I would assume that's what that means. They should just turn it into a nonprofit and have Donald just yeah, at least get a tax deduction out of this. Jesus. <laughs> Poor guy. Doubt that's what he's in it for, but... No, I understand. I'm just making a joke. <laughs> no, I mean, that's why, that's why I named Donald my person of the year, because he's putting his money into the sport, and there are not enough people doing that, and Donald is doing it in a big way. And I know some people, oh, person of the year, this, that. Hey, I don't deal with Donald. I, I don't know how dealing with him goes, if you're a sponsor, if you're USAV, if you're somebody else, how dealing with him is. All I know is the man is putting money into the sport, and he's the only reason that that option exists right now. Because IMG's out. USAV is not a tour operator. The NVL is juniors. There's nothing. Without Donald right now, you're on the FIVB tour or you are working at 12th Street. That's it. (laughs) That's tough. That sucks. That's no good. That's not good for our sport. It's not good for those players. It's not good for anybody. It's not good for the lifestyle. Lifestyle is cool. I understand. You did it for a couple of years, Reed. I still make the argument that the lifestyle of beach volleyball is not the selling point anymore. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the lifestyle for the players. No, no, no I'm with you. And doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Well, but then again, like, go ahead. But it's almost a little sad for how dominant we've been on the Olympic stage in beach volleyball on both sides of the sport that we can't hold on to a league here in the States and that it's falling apart. Like That is a little disappointing because then what happens? There's no pipeline now. Except for the now that women's college has picked it up, maybe there's a chance. There's the pipeline. Right. But what happens to our men's side, which to me is always the most annoying fact that comes out of our you know, ABCA, they never talk about the men's game, and that annoys me to no end. Because, again, we talked about this on a previous show. If you look at the women's teams that have done well over time, they have a corresponding men's team for the most part. The teams that have varsity men's programs do better. Yeah, unfortunately for the ABCA and everybody, it gets into a larger issue of Title IX. You're not going to add a men's program right now. You're, not, you're certainly not going to add a new men's sport to what's happening. So the men are really in trouble, and the Beach Report was pretty damning of the situation that United States Beach Volleyball is in. I, re- I didn't read the whole thing. I didn't necessarily look at it as damning as more of a warning for what could happen in the future. I think the big thing that stood out to me is that all the players we have going overseas and doing well internationally are 30-plus. That's what I'm saying is damning. Yeah. Because there is, no pi- there is no reasonable pipeline. Correct. It's been empty for a while, 2010 at least, and even before that. You, you still couldn't really make a living if you were a young player. You had to hope that your family was rich and your parents would keep you on your insurance so you could live at home and you could play some beach volleyball in the meantime. And, and honestly... There's where the lifestyle becomes a hard thing for a parent to support. They're like, come on. You're like going down to the beach to play volleyball for a little while, and then you're hanging around in the afternoon? What are we supporting here? You have to have a pretty (laughs) unique situation with your parents to make that one work. So the the pipeline's been empty for a bit, and it's nice that we have some good athletes who are still medal contenders, but they're all old. It was In in terms of volleyball. I'm trying to pull Reed, it up Reed's here. Reed's getting upset over there. I'm trying to pull it up here, but it, it was over 30 or under 30. And it was something like 89% of our female athletes who medaled, I don't know if it was medaled or participated, I think it was just medaled, at FIVB events were over 30. 
for the rest of the world, their metal contenders, it was 90% or 85% are under 30. Yeah. And it wasn't quite that bad, but it was close on the men's side. It was something like 75 and, and 75 or something. Over 30 us, under 30 them. That's a problem. That's a tide that's coming. Yeah, well, and that's why I think this beach report was good, especially because it's out in the public knowledge and it, it's not like USAV and all the, the pe- powers that be didn't know this. You know, they're well aware. So hopefully that this gets the ball rolling and uh, we'll have some serious conversation about it and things will happen and look better for us in the future. This beach report was perhaps a step in the right direction, but there were some interesting things in it. One One thing was that the recommendation was to have 24 to 26 athletes on the training squad. For, we're talking... For beach. beach. Okay. For beach. 24 to 26 athletes. Qualify what this was, the beach report. Who did it? Where was it? This was a third-party report. I God, I'm trying to find it here. I have it somewhere. A third-party report because prepared on the relationship of USA Volleyball and Beach Volleyball, the support for you for beach volleyball from USA Volleyball, prepared by a third-party entity that was hired to do so because of an impasse between the board and the beach members of the board, beach-affiliated members, and they kept referring referring to them as stakeholders, beach stakeholders, and USA Volleyball. So they get to this impasse, and they say, well, let's have a third party come in and assess the situation, essentially. They issued a 150-odd page report, came out, uh, to the board in mid-January, maybe, end of January, to the public. We talked about it here on the show for a little while. might have been early February when they had it out. But there was a presentation of it up here in LAX on Wednesday afternoon. I was on my way to work and picking kids up and stuff, so I could not attend in person, which I wanted to. But you were able to listen online via the Citrix app and so on, go to meeting stuff. So I listened into that presentation. They had a bunch of slides and this and that, and the guy who was speaking, was the one who performed it. He interviewed 40 people uh, having to do with beach volleyball from across the USAV side and then the, the beach volleyball players' side. I don't think I got a call for that. <laughs> Maybe next <laughs> they time. They did not get to the DJ. Maybe next time. But yeah, they, they could have. And, and just about the themes and things that were all brought up by people on both sides. And the, the thing to me is every single time I hear people talk about this, they always want to go back like 20 years or go back at least to the Article 8. And at the Article 8, and this, that, you got to let go of some of this Who was stuff. going people? back, the person talking or people that were in attendance asking some questions? Some of the people in attendance asking questions, and I couldn't tell who it was. They yeah. didn't have video. I don't yeah. know who was speaking. They weren't identifying anybody, which they should have done. That would have been nice. Hi, this is so-and-so. Uh, but So Kevin could call him out on the show. <laughs> but it, it was... It was just crazy. The the wanting to go back constantly. Stop going back to the Article 8. Stop going back even further. And just move forward. Can we move on? And that's the problem. There's so many people who have been involved for so long and have so much luggage and baggage, they can't let it go. And some of the recommendations were to hire a general manager for Beach, and also to hire, the, the, the guy thought, well, you should hire a head coach, but then the beach athlete said, no, we'll never submit to a head coach. So We want to be treated like the national team. We, we want to be treated like indoor players, but we don't want to give up our freedom. We want to maintain our autonomy. This is what works for beach volleyball. Well, the rest of the world think, doesn't think so. Look at Brazil. And where are they training? Colorado Springs? No. Probably San Diego. 
No, one of, the, one of the recommendations is to merge the beach athletes into the national team programming in Anaheim entirely, to which my reaction is, okay, how many of these people are actually going to move? The old people won't. Guarantee they won't. They've said they won't. Well, a lot of them already train at the ASC. I see them there every day. A lot of the younger people. No, the older guys. Uh, Gibb, April Casey Ross. Patterson Casey Patterson. Casey Patterson. No. Um, because he was saying some people have already opted out. Yeah, I've never seen Carrie there. Uh, I've never Todd, seen Todd there. Phil. Uh, or Phil or Rosie. That but, right. I've seen, but that would take them five hours to get there. I've seen it. <laughs> but I that's my point. No, I'm with you. Yeah. And those players have opted out of the program. But the point was made, that doesn't even matter. Those are the old people. They're done. After 16, they are done. If they make 16. I hope they do. Don't take that the wrong way. If they make 16, always a question for people that are over 30. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see the response. Uh, I'm curious. Hopefully, we can get a hold of some of the the beach athletes and even some USAV. That's who I want to hear more from is USAV, um, because the players are always going to look more towards their interests. And like I say this on the beach, I understand because their whole career they've had to do everything on their own, get their own sponsors, all that kind of stuff. So them maybe acting more selfishly isn't a surprise to me. Um, it's USAV, who I want to hear from, that's like, this is how we're going to do things in the future, and there's no way everybody's going to be happy. I don't care what you pick. Even if you do everything the beach players want, there's going to be people that aren't happy, like, regardless. Um, but I feel like it's them that has to set up the system and be like, here's what we're going to do. Here's how it's going to go. Like I keep saying with qualifying for the Olympics, you just have to kind of put your foot down and be like, this is how it's going to be. You just have to deal with it, and this is how it is. You either you're in or you're out. Playing volleyball professionally indoor or beach is not a right, you know. So there are certain people that govern it, and you may have to follow the rules. Yeah, it's interesting because if USA Volleyball, well, first of all, to get to a point of arbitration, you know, here we are trying to build a an entity that's healthy, thriving, and prosperous, and it, it reaches a point of impasse where you need to have an arbitrator come in and investigate. I mean, it was right. an investigation. Right. Yeah. And that in and of itself, it's like, okay, that's pretty scary. If I'm an investor, that scares me to death. If I'm a sponsor, am I, am I going to use this vehicle to get out my product? There's no way if I'm putting my money on the line. And so now that that's happened, I just wonder the reaction are, 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 are both sides looking at it like, okay, let's hear what we hear, and then I'll form my opinion, or I'm already so set in what I believe on both sides that this is either going to be totally awesome because I agree with it, or no, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And it's this continual search for you know, the answer. To your, to your point, let me give you something that was in there, because the recommendation was a general manager for Beach and also a head coach. They said, oh, we're not going to submit to a head coach. Okay, fine. So they had like some beach volleyball advisor who would sort of be a head coach if you wanted it kind of thing, which I think is complete BS. Put together a program, have a head coach, move these people to Anaheim, run the program. And this is just a recommendation, right? USAV has to do whatever they're going to do, but run the program. You want to be treated like a professional team? The rest of the world is treating it this way. They have national training centers. They're bringing athletes in. They are there. They are training there under the guise of sports medicine. All the, all the people that are there, the best people they can find. 
Make that the goal. One of the problems I had with the training centers, you didn't always have the best people because USOC didn't pay the money. They, didn't, they paid like crap for some people. So you would want to seek some outside advice because you, it wasn't always the best people at the USOC. But make that. Make that and put the athletes in it. And I don't want to hear any more from the athletes. Oh, I just don't want to be under the, the guise of somebody else and the autonomy of beach volleyball. Those days are gone. Your autonomy was bought by Miller Lite. Your autonomy was bought by Sunkiss, by Toyota, by Leonard and whoever he brought into the AVP. That's where your autonomy was, was purchased from. Your autonomy is gone now. If you're independently wealthy already and have sponsors, Todd, Carrie, Phil, so on, fine. You do whatever you want. Those people can still do whatever they want. The rest of them are struggling, and the program is going to struggle unless people come in and participate. And one of the questions, this is to what you were going at, sorry to go off on a tangent there, but one of, the, one of the questions immediately was, well, who's responsible for hiring this general manager of Beach? Is the CEO responsible? You may as well just shout out, I hate Doug Beal and I don't want him to make any decisions for me. <laughs> that was the question. But you don't know who asked that. I have no idea. But that was, that was it. And... So there is still that. And the guy a couple times, multiple times this came up, had to go back and say, there is a panel, I don't know if I have the name of it here, a panel put together that will recommend five people, three people, whatever it is, to the CEO for this general manager position. The panel of, quote, beach people, whatever, whoever's on that panel. Then the CEO makes final hiring decisions because the CEO is in charge. They also went back and asked, well, shouldn't Beach Volleyball have its own NGB? That ship had sailed several times. Stop. <laughs> yeah. There isn't some mythical power out there with the money and capability to be the national governing body for Beach Volleyball. The USOC is not going to allow it. Stop trying to, to think that that's going to happen. Let it go. Yeah, I think they're at a point where USAV, I think, is trying, and in my experience, has tried really hard over the last two to four years or more to listen and to respond. And what that has ended up doing, because the opposition is not willing to compromise. So it's not like USAV has taken two steps towards the opposition, and then they're going to meet at some compromise. Right, and the opposition has taken two steps. Right, that hasn't happened. And so what that's ended up doing is created no movement at all. So there's so many issues that just, they're stuck and they're not moving. They're still thinking about like 01, 03, yeah, 97. To, to Jeremy's point, you know, is there a clear path? And I think maybe it was released recently. Clear path. That was said how many times? A bazillion times. Is there a clear path to qualification for 2016? For 16, no, yes, yet. that was just released. I think they said last maybe week. Maybe last week. Just released. They didn't even have it in the report because it was just out. Yeah, and so at this point, clear path. At this point, it's almost like USAV should feel released. Okay, we've we've done this. We've we've acquiesced. We've we're trying to listen. We're trying. And to I work. feel like they've. I agree with you that they've done a better job of the dialogue is open between players and USAV better than it has been in the past. I'm not there every day. I don't have to deal with Dave Williams before he passed away or whomever is in charge. I don't have to deal with Allie Lamberson, Allie Wood. I, I don't. I don't have to do that. So don't nitpick the details on me if you're a beach athlete. But 
the overriding thing is USAV is the national governing body. That's not going away. Give it up. Enough with that. Doug Beal is the CEO. Well, it's almost You're not getting the CEO fired. It's better to have an established person running it this is, than this to start is, all over. This reminds me of a couple of – many, many years ago, you had somebody trying to get the head coach fired from their college program. Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> Same thing's going on theory. here. You have some athletes trying to get the CEO fired. Oh, that's, that's real productive for everybody. No, well, I mean, if he's, the wrong, if he's the wrong guy, then they have every right to voice that opinion. But, but yeah, but but voice it. <laughs> and if you don't, if you are done with it, you can't get enough support. Then move on. Yeah, because you know it's. I, I'm seeing it all the way down to the junior level. There's just some weird dynamic, and maybe it's in other sports too that I'm just not exposed to. But there's this weird dynamic of power struggles within volleyball that hinder it from growing. You can't have a successful organization or team with these sorts of issues underneath. It's well, impossible. It's yeah. set up to fail. As small as the volleyball world is, there's so many moving parts. You have men's side, women's side, indoor side, beach side, junior side. I mean, there's so many moving parts that I think it's hard to p- keep it all under one umbrella and keep everybody happy. But my question always is, if you have an issue with something, you can complain about it, but come to me with, a solution. What's your solution? What's your plan? Like, what's the beach players? What do they want? What do they think is going to work? Like, I haven't heard that side of the story. And maybe I just haven't asked the right, right questions yet to the players. But if you don't like what's happening, okay, what's, what is your, what's your solution to it? Then I want to hear that as well. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, PGA has got issues as well, right? Every, every, every sport's going to have issues. The anchoring sure. putter. Yeah. The anchoring putter is like life or death for a lot of people. But at the end of the day... A golf reference, interesting. <laughs> at the end of the day, the PGA Tour had to make a decision. Yeah. Are we now drinking for that? Yeah, for sure. I think I should be drinking for golf references from Reed. Yeah, they had to make... They had make, to make a decision. And, yeah. and you know what? It is what it is. And there's all sorts of people that think it's cheating and it takes out the... You know, whatever, whatever. This guy's recommending. This report is recommending. Can we get him on the show? Yeah, we should. I can look at that. 40000 Dollars a year per athlete as a base salary for the people in the U.S. in the system in their system in their system. They want twenty-four to twenty-six athletes in the system, and even who gets this forty thousand became a contentious issue because now you, you have a bunch of people fighting over. Of course, of course, spots, yeah, you know? yeah. So forty thousand dollars. I don't know how many athletes they plan on paying. I don't think it's all of them, but if you do the math on all of them. Reed, you just do the math over there? Yeah, it's about a million bucks for 24 athletes. A year. A million dollars. Is the DJ part of that? <laughs> you get in on that. Yeah, how's that work? Well, <laughs> maybe this is a stupid question, but how much do our indoor players make to be part of the national team? It used to be in Colorado Springs, 50 bucks a week to start. 1200 <laughs> was your first, but that's... Is that per that's, diem? That's forever 50 bucks ago. a week? Like, <laughs> no, that was, that was your salary, <laughs> legitimately. Like, that on, was your tryout salary, but I mean, you had room and board. Is that your per day, per it's diem? It's 40000 So it, I know things have changed no, I, in Anaheim. No, I think, I think that number's fine. Mm-hmm. I really do. But yeah. it can't just be given. That right. makes no sense. You have no to be sense. training and working for it. It makes no sense under any circumstances just to say, okay, we're going to create a salary... And then you can go be autonomous because we trust and believe that you are going to operate in the right way. Now, you're not going to no, play Call of Duty in the afternoon. You're going to go lift weights. Now, granted, it's not about – it's not a character slam. 
it's not a character slam against, you know, I was just <laughs> got into a conversation with April Ross in the weight room, and we got cut off. Cause I'm we had sure to, you guys have some good conversations. We had to get Diesel. This is not a character <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. April Ross has to do some unassisted pull-ups that, she's oh, never, dude, that she says she's, she's never done before. She's so stoked about it. She's, she's like, Reed, I don't want to argue with you anymore. I have to do my pull-ups real she's quick. She's dominating in the weight room right now. It's great. <laughs> this has nothing to do. We're talking about organizational structure. It has nothing to do with whether or not April Ross is professional and mature enough to handle that salary and go be the best player she's going to Correct. Be. She Absolutely. can do it. There's no doubt about she's it. She's already doing it. She's already doing yeah. it. She's, she's We're not worried about April. No. This is, called, this is organizational leadership and structure, and you cannot just say, here's a million dollars. You guys just go be the best. I'm worried about, I'm worried about <laughs> Jen. And, the way you just said that. I'm worried about Jen and wonder if she needs any help. But Jen Kessie? April, I'm not concerned about. I, April, I think, has it handled. Is that a Jen Kessie reference? We haven't had one in a while. I think she's remodeling her house. She could probably go down there and help out with that. Ooh, nice. Her and her. Her and her husband. Her and her Frenchie. Her and her husband's <laughs> house. Kevin. Husband. Yeah, I got a wife, too. Hey, th- but this isn't just a beach, <laughs> beach issue. Uh, I, you know, like I said, I've been meeting with a lot of people. I'm here. I'm available. I've been doing some breakfasts. People ask me, hey, I've got some questions for my Like son. breakfast with Pretty? Donating things and, for uh, a charity that nobody yeah. signs for. I've got some questions. <laughs> I want to run. Got some jerseys left over. And... And somebody asked me the other day, yeah, you know, my son uh, was going to do a USA Volleyball, ju- uh, you know, elite, high something, high yeah. performance thing. And somebody was really telling me not to do it because it's all political and it's just a money <laughs> grab and all these things. I'm just like, wow, even at this level. That was a beach person? All, no, this was all indoor. Just indoor, yeah. This is just indoor. Oh, there's so a lot of indoor just saying, problems, it's, too. It's, a, it's, you know, somehow USA Volleyball is big brother and their taxation, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, and that goes on with the regions. And Somebody from the regions AAU piped up trying to huh. be something and it, all these competing factions over the same little piece of cheese instead of being like, you know what? <laughs> learn, I don't know, learn from these books that we have so much access to in America about organizational growth, please. Yeah, but the problem is it's business mm-hmm. and it's competitive. And AAU wants a piece of it. NVL wants a piece of it. Donald Sun wants a piece of it. Obviously, he wants his money back. USAV wants to make money. The regions are... And somebody piped up in the meeting. Well, did anybody ask the regions what they thought about it? No, regions. We did not ask you what you thought about it. But the regions then go off about, we pay for the national office. We pay our registration fees. We pay our membership fees. And, man, you want to you start a fight? You want to just jump into a, a cluster of hornets? You want to knock down a nest and then just stand there naked waiting for the bees? I don't. Talk to the, talk to the regions not. about raising membership by a dollar per year a dollar well, they raise, will flip out that's why they when they raised usav a couple years ago raised it ten dollars oh my god instantly created a couple million dollars in revenue but that was seen as taking it directly out of the pockets of the club so you already have beach issues against usav now you have club issues they get together and out goes david Tre. people in the Northwest region, Reed, were living in trailers because of that $10. <laughs> because they were a part of something that was stealing money from them. Yeah. It's so gnarly. You know, Jesus. clubs, though, I, I Sorry, have, I've yet to see another spot within our sport that is a standalone business. Clubs are the only clubs. standalone business that's not subsidized by anything else. And I think that, you know, so I, I get it. They're out there. They're businesses. They're trying to make money. 
Oh. And they're making money hand over hand. Oh, Texas. my God. You look at what's coming in. Like, this weekend is SoCal Qualifier in, La- in L.A. Almost every qualifier now has split into separate weekends for age groups so they can pull in more money mm-hmm. and so they can get college coaches out to those things. They've doubled their revenues at a lot of them because now you're running two weekends of the same thing. You can add more teams. You can make bigger. The USAV added a, a fifth division to nationals. It used to be open was the only thing you could play. Now it's open, American, Patriot, USA. That's confusing. Well, yeah, what's the difference? Else. Between well, there's American like one you have to patriot. You don't freedom, have to qualify. There are freedom brackets. Yeah, exactly. So because I have to pay my USA face for was one. up against AAU, where anybody could sign up and go, they now have the Patriot division, where anybody can sign up and go to USAV Nationals. And now you have four qualifying divisions: the regional qualifying division, the national, or and then there's American division where you have to qualify at, and then USA you have to qualify in a special bracket at a qualifier. So now they're looking at you're looking at five brackets at nationals, four brackets at a qualifying tournament. I mean, it's huge: three brackets at a qualifying tournament plus a regional qualifier. I mean, they're just and the people that own those are getting kickbacks off the hotels with stay to play. Yep. They're, I mean, the money that they're raking into these clubs is unreal. When the club director is getting hired at six <laughs> figures, let's start a club. Seriously, no. The NetLife no. Club? No. No. <laughs> Reed, you don't want to do that. My my first. No, I've already thought about this. My, my, well, see, that's the <laughs> thing. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Hold on. Hold on. You don't want to do that. Hold on a second. My first my first meeting, if I ever was a part of a club, would be with the parents, and I'd you know Good what luck. we're gonna be we're gonna be. Here's my number. Don't ever call me. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna be trying. Here's my number five five five. To build a yeah. team. You know, build character. We're going to talk about all these great team themes. Uh, and we can't have you undermine it by telling your kid he's the best kid and that he should be playing over that kid or whatever. Your club's hey, Reed, you want to come to practice? <laughs> yeah. Let me show you what Katie, real life looks Katie's like got in some, the club. Yeah. Katie's got some parents you'd like the, to The talk RP8 to. club has uh, one team. That's okay. Maybe we're a golf team. <laughs> <laughs> right back to golf. What I, no. what I hope comes from yeah. this is that, A, we're talking about we've been talking about for a while, but the fact that this report came out, is I'm hoping that it will create dialogue. I mean, you're talking about it in the weight room with Beach Players Read, so I don't know how much you were talking about it before this report came out. I'm sure it came up every once in a while, but maybe there's more discussion of it now, so hopefully something will come of it. Um, the fact that USAV has three people that work full-time for them probably doesn't help their cause in getting this all done. Um, but I'm sure there's things being in the national team system, Reed, with USAV that you aren't pleased with, that you would change but that's the way it's going to be on the beach, too. So there's no way it's going to be perfect. The indoor guys, I'm, like, I, again, Reed wants to be flying first class every place he goes. We just don't have the money for that yet. Athletes good at two things. Playing their sport. And? Complaining. Playing. That's it. Here, here's the thing. And it's hard because you don't see the other side of it until after you're done, usually. You yeah, only see it right. from the player side. When I got side. on the board? Yeah, you see it from a different side, and I you understand, understand, and I get it. Here's... Here's the thing. I've been around now for a lot of this. Still like I, I joined the national team program in 97. The national team, the national office, at times during the next year and a half, was unsure whether they could make payroll for the employees in the office. Mm-hmm. Unsure. Payroll for the week. Forget about arguing over million dollars or $40,000 for 22 million dollars a year. No. Yeah. This is an organization that has grown immensely in the last 20 years. They would sometimes be worried about if they could even pay players enough money to field a national team. Mm. Okay? They did not have any beach stuff going on at that time because this is one year after it joined the Olympic Games, first of all. Secondly, 
the beach was still living on the early 90s. And all the early 90s was, was USA Volleyball, that's a dysfunctional organization. That was the view of every beach person you could find. I hate USA Volleyball. Do not associate me with USA Volleyball ever. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to be associated with them. I don't need them. Just in the 90s. Nothing. Early 90s, yep. mid-90s. Yep. Nothing. And I understand there, there have always been issues along the way. And some of the stuff I'm not privy to when USA Volleyball was the NGB because it's beach volleyball and USAV became the NGB. Yep. And they would swoop in and take credit for the win in 2000 by Blanton and Funoy Moana. And some staff are there and taking credit for that and this and that. And they're getting upset, the athletes and people, because they weren't the, because USAV wasn't involved with them for four years except at the Olympics when they had that success. But at the same time, the athletes are going, get the hell away from me. Beach volleyball then struggles. They are struggling. The qualification process comes up because FIVB has to let go of that piece of the puzzle. FIVB illegally held on to the qualification process for every country in the world into the Olympic Games. They started to let that go. That's the genesis of the Article 8. Mm. The Article 8 comes about because the AVP and Leonard say, here is something with immense value, a dollar value. We're going to get it from USA Volleyball. We're going to take it away from USA Volleyball. We want it. We're a business. We're competing to make money. We're going to take it. We're going to co-opt the players into this and have the players sign the Article 8. In some cases, had no clue what they were signing didn't read what they were signing, were told it was something completely different than what they were signing, and some players were completely on board. They run the Article 8. They have the players now. Now they have the players positioned against USAV, mm-hmm. saying USAV has screwed you. AVP is telling the players, USAV has screwed you. They owe you this money. Look what they're doing for indoor. They owe you this money. Well, the reason USAV, because they're a business too, wasn't supporting the beach is because, first of all, the beach players didn't want it. Secondly, there's another entity doing it. And producing results. Why would you step in? And I'm no USAV apologist. Anyone who knows my history with USAV, Doug Beale and I, for a long time, not real close on issues. <laughs> Kerry Klosterman, I've been in his office and yelled at him several times, who was Sh- then shocker. executive director. I sat on the board. I sat in the meetings and said my piece about things. I am no USAV apologist at all. I'll show you the document I wrote when I was 23 and had all the answers. And that's what Beach continues to remind me of. They are 23 years old as a group and have all the answers, but not a lot of touch with what actually happens. And I'm not saying they don't have good ideas. Don't make it a black and white thing. But this thing has gone on for a very long time, and it is far different. To Reed's point earlier, USAV has made strides, as they started to do with the indoor team, around 2001. And I stood up in 2001 and said, you're not taking our World League money. They wanted to take our World League per diem and share it with the coaches. And, oh, Brad Sandin doesn't make enough money here. And, you know, he, he should be a part of this money. Hell no. I'm all for players' rights. But USA Volleyball at that point in 2001, I thought they'd done a terrible job from 97 to 2000. But they were in a bad financial spot. Yeah. From 2001 on, they've really improved what's going on with the national teams. It got better from 01 to 04 got better from 4 to 8. It got better from 8 to 12. The situation now down here with the AC is a fantastic situation. But that has taken 14 years to make happen. And the same thing is going to be true with Beach. You can't correct it overnight. First of all, the dollars aren't infinite. Secondly, there's a lot of other forces 
involved, players who don't want to participate, young players who haven't participated before, new people joining the sport, all that's good. It's not going to happen overnight. This recommendation, the guy says, the guy who did this report says, oh, there's only 15,000 athletes that tried out for beach. And there's 225,000 athletes who tried out for indoor. Well, that, that inequity has to be corrected. Go, well, there's, there isn't the participation numbers to do that. You have to build it. Yes, collegiate sand is a good step in the right direction to make that change. It's not going to change overnight. The expectation for so many of these athletes is that they're all of a sudden going to get 80 grand from USAV, and USAV is going to pick up all this stuff for them and pay for everything, and they're going to have a national training center, and they're going to do this, and I'm not going to submit to a coach. You know, all these things are going to happen immediately. All this has to be sorted out over a decade. 16, in my mind, is the last time you ever have independent athletes representing the United States in the sport of beach volleyball. By 20, it is national team programming. By 24, no one knows any different. And I think that's the only system that's going to be able to compete with the rest of the world because that's the way the rest of the world is doing it. And I'm sorry, hoping that a couple of people get together out here in Hermosa Beach and just say, hey, you're pretty good at beach volleyball. Well, so am I. Why don't we go to the Olympics together? That's not going to happen anymore. What voice was that? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I also think... But people got to let go with some stuff. Oh, for sure. Um, time will help all of that. And I think, I'm hoping after this next Olympics, the stuff we're talking about now won't even be needing to be discussed because it will have changed. We could talk about, oh, we don't like the change or we do like the change, but it won't be what we're talking about now. I do also think some uh, hope a monkey wrench that goes in this too is that if USAV has control over a lot of the top beach players, how does that affect the AVP and the domestic tour? That's There's what I was pulled there, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Because they're a business, too, and they want, you know, they, want, they need to do what they need to do for their own business. I don't think the win here is to create a team by which that you have to do everything through that team and only the FIVB. I think the goal is to have a professional tour where these athletes can be professionals and support themselves by way of the tour. Because that's good for them playing internationally, too, if they're playing domestically right. as well. Right, and the national team, I, I think people have a wrong understanding. I think the beach athletes do. I think you guys need to hear this is that like me at 36 would not be still playing volleyball if it was solely because of my participation with the national team. That's unrealistic. The only thing that's kept me in the game this long is because I go to Russia. I go to Turkey. That's who's financially supporting my career. Yeah. Now that's not to say that USA volleyball doesn't have support but their support would not support me in Southern California with my family. Correct. And I think there's a little misnomer there. But at the end of the day, I don't think we want to create this airtight system where by, if you're not USAV, then you're not going to go to the Olympics. I still think we want our best Olympic athletes, but that doesn't mean that we can't have a developmental system. But if you want to get, I don't know, I don't know how it works. You yeah. know, for, we, we, we really want AVP to win. That's what, that's what we want. We want a professional tour here because to have it, to have a tour that only allows two of your top teams play for a country, it'd be much better if it was like the PGA or, or some other, where it was international events where the best teams could play, not just the best two of each country. Yeah. That's really limiting. And so now you have these athletes who are used to supporting themselves by way of a professional tour. Now they're all trying to vie for those spots. And we're trying to make this hybrid, when in reality, this would not be here. This issue would not be here if the AVP did not fold. Correct. Well, they have to. I, some of the players in the back of their mind too have to think: What if the AVP folds again, or is not around in five years, ten years? Then where are they 
then it is just the top couple teams that are getting the money from USAV. You know, so you want, like you said, everybody, you want a strong domestic tour. That should be in USAV's goal. That should be in all the players' goals. The fans should want that as well, as does Jeremy. I don't know where this fits, yes, too. Just, just, just quickly, back when there was an AVP, there were players that tried at times to play on events. Uh, I heard a story the other day, and I'm going to leave the names out of this, but there was a gal who didn't have enough points to get into this AVP event, so she was going to go and uh, play in a, an international event. And there was a this was recently or oh no this was whenever. maybe in a, the la, one of the last Olympic runs gotcha um, oh five or something yeah it was either four oh four or no no it was either four oh eight or or twelve gotcha. I can't remember but the players themselves or a few players yeah. uh, blocked it basically <laughs> and this gal that was going to play was not even close to the race apparently like wouldn't have, it wouldn't have met. even if they that said person won tournament it wouldn't have. And, help their cause. And so, to me, that's just uh, completely hypocritical. You're, you're blocking somebody from making a living or trying to make some extra money or some extra experience. Uh, and these same individuals that, that were a part of that scenario, and, and maybe I'm not getting the whole full story, but the story that I got was from that, somebody that was, quote-unquote, a beach athlete yeah, yeah, in yeah. the mix yep. and didn't even agree with this kind of stuff. But these same people are trying to, that USA Volleyball is blocking their ability to make a living, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I just think there's a lot of disingenuous motives. I, yeah, I agree with that. People who aren't saying the truth. I, I think the devil is in the details, and the fighting is normal. Absolutely There's always going to be fighting. Absolutely. But Understandable. fight about issues that are from today or last year or, or, from, this, or from this report. Not 10 years ago or 20 years ago. You know, this will get sorted out, and I know the athletes want results now. I get it. I understand that you want a result now. You want things to be in your favor right now. I get it. You have a limited shelf life. You're only there for so long. And it may not work out for you. And, and I don't think it should stop you from fighting, but stop bringing up stuff from so far back that it is meaningless noise about what's happening today and how things are going to get better today. The bottom line, in my mind, from my view, is that just like indoor, where things have gotten progressively better since 2000, when they sucked, USAV sucked in their management of the indoor teams. Forget Beach. They could barely manage the freaking indoor team and themselves. Mm -hmm. From that point, things have gotten immensely better. They have gone the right direction. The ship is sailing the right way. For sure. It is now doing so with Beach and has been for a little while. Is it perfect? No. Are they, it will complain? never. Yes, it will never be perfect for everybody. That's just not possible. But for goodness sakes, stop trying to turn the thing around. Stop trying to stop the progress. Stop trying to take over the ship. You are not the captain now. Again, like I said, and maybe it's out there. I just haven't talked to the right beach players yet. But what's your solution if what is being proposed you, you're not you don't agree with? What do you think? That's what I want to hear. I want to hear it on this show. I want to hear from one of the beach athletes, two of them, three of them, four of them, five of them. I want to hear what this difference is. I emailed Carrie this week to see if we could get her on. No response. She's training. I want to hear from them because I'm not the expert. I have my view from my own. Yeah, exactly. That's what so I said. I want my own stuff I hear, my own history, my own participation. I was there for the Article 8. I was there for that time period on the board. So that's part I can speak to. I sat in and listened to the town hall meeting. 
I want to hear from people, but yet don't come in here just with a complaint. And I want to hear what the solution is. And don't make the solution, give us the money, and what Reed said earlier. But if that is their no, solution, I, that's what I want to hear. Like if that's, right, if you that's your solution, it, then, then that's what I want to hear. Come in and say it, and I'm going to make fun of you. <laughs> because nothing works that way. Fear not, everybody. I will mute Kevin if need be. Nothing hey. works that way. But that has but been again, the message but if that's what they're saying, from the athlete. That's what I want to hear. If that's what you think is the correct thing, then... Let me hear it. We are owed the money. You owe us the money. And we're going to do with it whatever we think is fit. I brought this up to you before, and let me ask you this question. In the sport of volleyball, this includes indoor and beach, which side do you think has brought more attention and more money to the sport as a whole in the eyes of the public? Okay, well, that's two interesting questions. <laughs> You've got to separate those two, attention and money. And the public. Yeah. The public thinks the beach is the more successful okay. by far, but I think the dollars and cents are not even close. The beach doesn't make any dollars no. in any form. They're an expenditure. FIVB doesn't make money on beach. They took money from their indoor programming and put it into the beach fund last year. Six and where does the money come from indoor then? Professional leagues, sponsors, TV deals. TV deals. TV deals. And here in the United States, clubs okay. and regions. That's where it comes from. Indoor regions, not beach regions. Okay. It's a nice fantasy that beach is a business, but it is not a business anywhere. Maybe some club now is a business. I bet there's a couple clubs in Florida maybe making some dough. But again, you're back in the club. It's the redheaded stepchild of the indoor game because they're the ones that are taking all the money and it's going in from the indoor game. So they're, they're an expenditure, not making any money for the group, for sure. Right. If, if beach volleyball coming under the guise of USAV is a bill, <laughs> not an asset. They keep talking about what an asset they are. Well, if you are such an asset, tell me why, out of the most They're dominant net. performance ever in Olympic Games, you won both gold medals, you had other medalists, and you were out of business two years later. But they're an asset. It's, I, I make the analogy of social media. Like, I do social media. Do I make money from social media? No, but my name is out there, and it's in the public, and people are seeing it. And if you get one gig from that, then yeah, it was worth it because it's free. So having beach volleyball in the public eye and as successful as they, as they are, whether it brings whether you can directly tie money to their success or them being involved with USAV, if it's a bill, sure, but you still need them. Their success is only three months out of every four years. Well, see, that's the thing, though, is that that's what they, I've heard them argue is that their success is in their or their their value add is in their gold medal winnings and it doesn't mean anything. But we've already seen that that USA Volleyball's strong suit is does not include capitalization of gold medals. Correct. Indoor or beach. Right. Correct. And so individuals and have capitalized themselves. Individuals have capitalized. Again, you got to throw carry out. No, I don't. Yeah, because she's not a good example. Her income is not derived from. Well, that's why I said Beach individuals. Volleyball. The majority of her income is derived because she is a famous Olympian. Yeah, because she has three gold medals. That's why I said individuals have prospered from their gold medals. But as not helped the sport it, as a whole. I, you know, it. I mean, not the sport along at all because how many people in America know anybody but Carrie and Misty? No, they know hey, who's, our, who's our second team? Who's our second team on the women's side beach volleyball? And they're going to look at you like they have no idea who that is. Well, that we even have a again, second team. And to me, and I they don't know back, April. Again, to me, that comes back to marketing of the domestic tours. Like, that's a marketing issue on our, on our part. 
I think it still helps. I think Olympic success still helps build the sport. You know, I think kids watch the Olympics, and, and the better a team does, the more exposure it they have. It doesn't hurt the sport like Kevin has tried to argue And for. people aspire to that. So when you're, a kid, when you're a kid and you're 10, 8, whatever, and you're seeing Misty and Carrie's run, then you're going to imagine that could be you, and, and you're going to go yeah, that but, direction. So, but monetarily yeah. speaking, there has been no capitalization. So we need great teams to do Club. those things to grow. Club. People you know. feel the same way about curling once every four years, too. Like, hey, look at that. I could go do that. Speaking of, yeah, <laughs> Kevin. But again, I, I still think some, a lot of that has to go back to marketing on our part with when Carrie and Misty had that great run. And like I said, when I started DJing on the beach, Karch was already 85 years old, and that was the only name that anybody knew. Still like, the name only. only again, known. again, though, USA Volleyball did not make Karch's name known. AVP did in Karch. USA Volleyball is not an uh, an But again, that's what I'm saying. Like that, it's a marketing issue. Well, right. But I, I think we keep looking at times at, at USA Volleyball to be a professional entity. They're not. They're, Correct. They're a national governing body of an Olympic sport. Yeah. It's not a professional league. They shouldn't be involved in professional sports. Right. I, I think we look to them to do that, but they're not. That's not them. That's not their. That's not their are. charter. They're charged from the USOC. No. They, they are saddled with unbelievable demands from the USOC to remain the national governing body. Yeah, Karch was on NBC every Sunday afternoon yeah. for like how many years? Yeah, 10 yeah, yeah. years? Yep. Yeah. And everyone looked for the pink hat and he dominated and he played great. It was awesome to watch and he had Miller Lite and Speedo and Killer Loop and all these companies behind him. Ignore that. So, <laughs> you know, that, that, those are, those are, that's how it came to be. It wasn't because USA Volleyball made Karch famous they provided a vehicle, an Olympic vehicle, for him to do great things at the Olympics with his team. Correct. But uh, if we continue to look to them to do something, I did. I thought my life would change after 2008. It didn't. And then it, you just get resentful when you start to, to look for you, them to do that. But, you do have a gold medal, though. But, they, exactly. <laughs> but that was always the message. Win the gold medal, the dollars will come. Doug Beal said that to me. Oh, that's why we're keeping you home over these years, not letting you go play professionally and earn more money. You know, we, we have the success. The dollars will come. Not true. You're at the whim of the professional leagues. To Reed's point exactly earlier, the only reason I didn't make more money playing volleyball is because the professional leagues didn't pay more money at the time. Sullivan, who called into today's program, he and I played the exact worst 10 years in the last 30 for this sport. Professionally. Sure, there Not national no, team. That one would get kicked off in 20 seconds. No, we'll We're just go overtime. Still going to keep talking. We're going overtime. The thing about USAV that, that yeah. needs to be said, though, is that they're going to provide it the best environment for you to succeed. Or at least that's their goal, right? I don't, and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's USAV's responsibility to market you, market Carrie, market uh, April, Jake, and Casey. I don't think that's their responsibility at all. Um, that's why there needs to be a strong domestic tour. It's their responsibility to market these players. Well, let's make the conversation bigger. Let's just say the Olympics. The Olympics in general, the USOC, their goal, they, have, they, we, they spend a ton of money to create environments at the Olympic Games to control as much as they can control, to give you the, the biggest edge that you could have for success. But it's Procter & Gamble, um, all of the big Bank names, of America. Bank of America. It's all of those. PG&E. Yeah, they're the that. ones that are taking the personal interest stories and right. making these people famous and that's where that money's coming from. Now Russia, let's take Russia for example. They're going to they're starting to model what we do, but they're not going to have, you know, so we had an, a university overtaken or some huge training center where they're going to bring over all the chefs, 
They're going to bring over for the Olympic Games. There's a separate American hub, basically, training center. High security. Everything's controlled. And it's unbelievable because if, you have, if, if we leave it to the FIVB in our, our case – to schedule our times, our, ti- our, our two weeks would be such a stress-filled two weeks because right. the schedule would always be changing. You might have, leave it to them to give you a, a, a 10 o'clock match at night and then an 8 a.m. practice the next morning. That would happen. They do that. So, <laughs> see, literally, <laughs> that, that literally just, just registered. That's like, just European life. My body just hurt just thinking about that. <laughs> that's just FIVB because there are other You just stay on the court? Work. I'm just going to stretch. I'm just going to stay here until practice tomorrow. No, you've got to take a bus to the other practice court, which is across town in the horrible traffic. Awesome. So we're going to spend money, I think. Our, the model for the Olympic movement is we're going to spend money on the preparation. We're going to try to give you the best resources for you to be the best athlete you can be. But beyond that point, it's not the USOC, it's not USAV, it's not these NGBs that are trying to make individuals and teams famous and rich. An interesting thing with Tom Hoff years ago, and and Tom, good friend of mine, roommate for a long time, and I I disagreed with Tom on this. He would get very mad at the transfer fee you had to pay to USAV. I don't like paying out money either. What does that mean? When you sign a contract professionally and you are a USA Volleyball athlete, Depending upon your status in the national team program, you have to pay a fee back to your national governing body. It's a percentage of your contract. For what reason? Well, because that's what I'm going to get to. Oh, sorry. Because, because they have put value into you. Gotcha. By operating the national team, by giving you the stage upon which to perform on a, a World Cup, a qualifying event, whatever. And training and, and all that. And training and coaches okay. and tra- everything else. They have given you that. Tom always felt that they were stealing money from him, that he had made this success, and he deserved to keep the money from his success. And I I don't like paying money either, but I thought that was a bit disingenuous, and I fought to make transfer fees smaller. I'm I'm down with that. No problem. (laughs) But there has to be some recognition of the fact that, yes, Tom, you have benefited by the platform upon which or which has been built yeah. by USA Volleyball and the FIVB that you stand on. Was that an insurance policy for them, like in case something happened to an athlete? Like no, why? No, return on investment. Return on investment. Oh, okay, I'm with you. So when, when a, an athlete transfers overseas, there's a transfer fee usually paid by the club that's getting you. So basically it's But the it comes thing. out it's of your pocket. Right. Because if they didn't pay USAV, they'd pay you, right? right. And, and USAV for a long time said, oh, it's not that much money, but it is that much money because the contracts got bigger again. It wasn't that much money because the contracts sucked donkeys. It was just bad. <laughs> It was real bad. Reed, what was your first contract? How much money? Your first contract overseas. You want to share that? One million dollars. <laughs> I, I think I lucked out. It was 55000 That was a good contract yeah. back then. Your current contract's not like that. That's a bonus for winning one match. <laughs> you know? So, so there was that. And, and Tom always thought, oh, they're taking the money from me. No, they're not. Same thing here. Now, I get it when back in 2000, USAV steps in when you win a gold medal and says, oh, this and that, because they hadn't built anything. Yeah. Now there is some structure. And now there is some payment. And it's been increasing. And the dollars aren't infinite. And it's not perfect now. But they are providing more of a platform for you. And you, you have to rebate something back. Are they asking for some of your prize money yet? I don't think there's any beach athletes giving away prize money to USAV. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Someone email me, the, the, you know, the netlive at gmail.com. Let me know if you have, as an athlete, won an FIVB tournament. You get 24 grand or whatever it is, 12 grand, 6 grand, 8 grand, whatever it is you won. Did you write a check 
from your bank account to USAVs, or was it garnished on its way to you and USAV got part of your prize money? Because I got news for you. If you win a million dollars in World League, the team doesn't see a million dollars. Some of that money is return on investment for USA Volleyball. Interesting. And I don't like that either, but I get it. From a business standpoint, I get it. And that, again, is back to you are now under the guise of an organization which is providing you support because it's not just you and your buddy out here on the beach meeting and doing it all on your own and reaping the rewards or lack thereof. You are in an organization that is providing you tons of dollars worth of training time, gym memberships, whatever it may be. They're, they're providing that for you. Interesting. I, didn't, I did not know that. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, transfer fees aren't fun, but it's no. just something that's always been there. So several times along the way, you've tried to fight it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I did, fighting I think, it. I think it's uh, it gets disproportionate if the percentage that they're asking for is more than what they paid you. Mm-hmm. Yes, and so I think there's some self monitoring that oh, can take so place. Should there be a cap on it? Is that what you're thinking? Like yeah. a cap on the amount you'd have to pay in a transfer sure. fee? Yeah. And is I think they, they're moving to tiered. They're moving to tiered salaries now, mm-hmm. so it's not like a personal negotiation. How it, oh, it's always the worst. I'm sure it was the worst for them too, but it's always the worst for a player because you're like, how am I gonna? <laughs> I, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to negotiate with you. And yet. players have had dual contracts too. You have a contract that you signed. You have a contract that you told USAV about. I know that's happened. Oh yeah. I mean, I've. I'll be honest about it. I, I think along the way, when you realize that. When you USAV has nothing within their system that if my contract goes wrong, right. that they can leverage any sort of power. No, oh, gotcha. they're not. In the position and so then it was like, okay, well, why, come fight so I don't behalf. submit my contracts in because it's like there's nothing that they can do. Gotcha. To help me when things go bad. Yeah, I have an agent that does that, or I'm at my own risk, or yeah. I try to protect myself by getting prepayments. Right. So if you were, so if you were. To get fired from your playing job overseas, would you get back some portion of the money you'd have to pay into USAV and your transfer fee if you weren't making the full stipend of your contract? That's uh-huh. an interesting question. Good question. <laughs> I'm owed money by USAV. Bastards. <laughs> no, fired. don't get fired. No. Don't get fired then. That's the point. <laughs> no, it, it, when it gets to that point where you're outpaying your own salary, because <laughs> for USAV, they are... They're trying to pay you as little as possible because they're a business during the year, and they're trying to get as much as possible they can out of your pro contract. You're going, really? <laughs> really? Uh, but it's business, man. This is how business works, and that's why I say there's fighting along the way. But you've got to let go of some of the bigger stuff that a lot of these athletes weren't even around for or didn't know what they were signing up for. Or, you well, know, it's, the beach players maybe don't stuff. realize all of the stuff that goes on with the indoor. If they're they don't. wholly separated from it, they have no clue the transfer fees that are going in or out or what it's going to cost for them. You know, the people that are training overseas, what's in a contract for them? And why would they, too? Like they, they wouldn't. There's no need so for them to know their that. Just like I don't understand everything about beach. Right. I don't understand all the rubs and, and how bad Allie Lamberson is at her job. I, I don't know. I don't know if she's good or bad. I don't deal with her. So that's always the case. You can't know everything. Um, you can pretend like doing the show, but what would be great is if uh, these players that have been so active, once they do retire, if they could be a part of the process and you know take those it's roles. Interesting to see if they stay. Yeah, I feel like some players, um, like somebody like Lauren Fendrick, would stick around. I think to help the sport. Has she like, made enough? No, I mean like stick around, like maybe work for USAV or something like that or volunteer, do something like to help the sport. Like I feel like April Ross is pretty vocal about stuff. Like she would want to stick around and, 
see what's best for the sport and things like that. So I I hope personally that stuff like that happens because um you know, you've seen them come up in the sport and have success and uh the next few years could be really big for April um and then for have them see the behind the scenes stuff. Which that's what I always think is the hard part as an athlete. Your focus on I just need to be the best player that I can be and this is what I'm used to and you get out of a certain rhythm or a certain um you have habits, like I'm sure you have rituals on game days that like, if somebody messed with that, you would lose your mind and freak out on somebody. And I'm sure some of that has to do with these players. Like, I can't have, a, I want this trainer. You can't tell me to have this trainer. It doesn't mean that trainer A is better than trainer B. You're just so used to trainer A, like, it's going to freak you out if you have something new. So I think that has a lot to do with what they're talking about as well, where mm-hmm. you're saying April is like, I don't want to have to commit to another coach that I don't know. That could just I'm just used to this a certain way, and I get that, but then when you get to see it from an outside perspective, it's going to change your view, but how do you get that until you move on so April not April, but any athlete who doesn't want to take that trainer, yeah, that's fine. you pay for it yeah i again don't don't expect us to pay for your choice again, like we I tr- offered you something else and i and I can't speak to quality, but that's the option you're left with, correct. The people who pay the freight make the decisions. These, so many times it comes down to we don't want to pay the freight and we want to make the decisions. Well, read other people like, obviously you have all the training facilities and stuff like that at your access, but are there people that you pay outside of what the national team and USAV provides for you for things like you could have physical therapists that you see that aren't provided by them, people that you know, nutritionists, things like that, are those things that you do as well? Thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm training right now with a personal trainer that's, I pay out of pocket. Yeah. Uh, soft tissue stuff. I mean, there's great resources in, in Anaheim. And that you use because you're in the gym and stuff like that. Yeah, but I've always, uh, once I started doing that in 2008, I just felt like, you know what, I'm, that's one of the most important things is just to stay healthy. Of course. And, uh, you know, I know Sullivan thinks that I'm going to pay for it later. But uh, I think that being one of 24, no matter how great that one coach is. Yeah. Uh, if I'm just one of 24, I'm going to get better attention if I'm just one-on-one. Well, and everybody yeah. can have individual needs, too. And, but can you afford it? I mean, when I was younger, I was like, we had no money. <laughs> and I suppose I could have big barred and steel. I was kind of lazy about it, wish I was different. I'd be different now about it and could probably make that happen and say, look, I can't pay your rate, but I can pay this or whatever if it was that important to me and I was that focused on it. Uh, that That should always be an option. I'm not saying we take that option away with the national team programming. What I'm saying is if, if USAV is going to provide an option, because before you had no option for free anyway, if you're going to provide an option, then that's your option. Anything else is on your own, but we're not going to pay your option. Yeah. But maybe, maybe that's the marriage right there. I have an idea here. If you're going to pay, tw- you know, here's a million dollars of player support. We're going to commit a year. Um, why don't we take 12... Uh, you know, our top 12 players, six and six or something like that. And let's support them through Rio. Let's just get behind them. Your system, the way you're doing it, let's get behind you. Let's open the dialogue. This is the way you qualify. This is the financial support we're going to provide. And between now and then, you're working with us to help build things that are going to start right after Rio and on through. And that other 12 spots are the developmental spots because we need – the, the younger 20s, to yeah. start playing the game. We need to start building that. And, and maybe that's part of that that uh, 
that salary is some of these older players can mentor uh, in the off season, a couple times a week or once a, or a couple times a month with some of these younger players. Well, this year but, you have Lane Carrico playing with uh, Brittany Hochaver, so that's a veteran playing with a younger upstart. That's really good. So you have stuff like that happening. So maybe there's yeah. that, that way to marry it to say, okay, listen, we we wa- you're our best team. We want to be behind you. Let's let's bridge that gap. We're going to give you the support for these two and a half years. This is the way you qualify. We want to go win gold, and we want to do it together. But moving from that point on, let's get into a discussion by which we can build a program that has sustainability and that provides you know, the best comp- competing conditions. And then hopefully on the other end, AVP can figure it out. Or, you know, We talked about these regions. What if the regions got together and each region hosted a professional beach volleyball tournament? They're going to lose a lot of money once a year. Well, and they're, you're looking at a lot of regions like where in the Northeast would you do it and when? I mean... It's hard for those Very who's training up there yeah. and where and when because they're not outside 90% of the year. It's, it's either 110 degrees and humid as can be and nobody yeah. wants to be on the beach or you're <laughs> in the snow. So you're looking at a one to two month window in, say, Massachusetts or something along those lines where those... those whoa, regions, whoa, whoa, Massachusetts. I know, moving on up. That's the, nor- that's the northeast region. You look at that little mm-hmm. block of no. places up there, where would they train? Who would do it? Volleyball isn't big up there. Yeah, I mean, back to that 15,000 versus 225,000. The bottom line is that playing something indoors is a lot more accessible than playing something on the beach. The beach only exists in a few places. It was the same problem they were talking about when they brought sand to college. Like, if you're Nebraska, if you're Penn State, you can can afford an indoor facility. But 90% of the smaller schools that are barely making it by with not even fully funded scholarships at the Division I level, they're not going to have the money unless somebody in their athletic department says, ooh, we can do this for cheap. They're yeah, not going to be able to put a program in there. By the way, we need another building, a whole building, with just a sand floor for this one sport. Yeah. And you're going to have to bring in sand on a regular basis. Because you're not going to be able to do anything else in that building. Right. Indoor volleyball? Yeah, you could do couple anything of, in that gym. A couple of UV Cattle hurting? Can't you, like, run horses? And... You could host anything. <laughs> you could, yeah, I mean, you guys played in the North Carolina in the uh, Farm Center. You know, there were flies everywhere. Like, flies were a problem for the indoor game. But that, that is something you can... Use. You can't use a beach volleyball center for anything else but beach volleyball. That's it. I'm sure you can have some, like, horse races or something. Bocce. Sand bocce. I don't you know. You want to be on the sand playing volleyball after a horse has been in there? Just saying. <laughs> Just throwing out some ideas. Here, here's a great idea. Let's build a beach volleyball facility, but it has a retractable floor that goes back and forth. You know, like ice. Or no. Ice no. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You, it's Even not less a good financial viable. It could be like Arizona Stadium where the entire football field goes outside right. and then rolls back in. That's very cool. By that way. is actually is really, cool. really I like stuff that moves. I like that. <laughs> no, but it's – I just – I want people to move forward, stop being stagnant or trying to move backwards. I <laughs> want people to move forward, and I get it. There are problems. I've been on the player's side. I've written a diatribe. I've written a seven-page diatribe in Belgium about how USA Volleyball sucked. <laughs> Probably have it here somewhere. And the fact that they still talk to us is amazing to me. <laughs> It's an evolution, And because man. of you, is what I'm saying. It's an evolution. <laughs> you know, I got on the board, and Al Monaco was convinced it was going to be a complete disaster. And? Well, <laughs> was there a rest of that story? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but it's, it, you gotta, you got to move forward and move on and figure it out. And I get the fighting, but let's be genuine about the fighting. I said before what has bugged me before about the beach and sometimes in their arguments is just come out and say, this is better for me. Not this is better for the game. This is better for me. Well, again, like I said, who I'm getting, I'm going to talk to some beach players today and see who we can get on yeah, we'll next get week, or even if we have to talk to them 
not live on the show, but get them recorded. Yeah. I'm gonna want. I'm gonna ask them and be like, if you don't agree with this, I want to hear what your idea is, because that's the only way something's gonna get solved. Like we have an idea, you have an idea. Now, how do you get? How do you find that middle ground? It can't be I hate your idea. Period. Okay. Well, it also then, can't. Where be, do we go from there? It also can't be I hate your idea. Write me a check and let me do whatever I want. That's not a solution. That is not a reasonable, viable solution. Oh, but you could say that. It just I mean, may not could. work. Yeah. Well, you and then will. Kevin will make fun of you. You'll yeah. be ridiculed for that. <laughs> Because that's foolish. <laughs> no matter the business, that's not just sports. That's anything. Right. I ask people to write me checks all the time. It just doesn't work out that way. I just got a check. Uh, check. Sweet. <laughs> you did? Yeah. yeah. Hey. Read by lunch. Yeah, how many commas were in that thing? I'm in. I need a check. I, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Kevin. Jake. <laughs> Jake Gibbs Jake is Spiker available Gibb? now. But we don't have a way for him to call in. Yeah, because we're, we're off. Are we're we off? off? No, we're off. We're gone. We're gone. Well, tell Jake... Next Monday. Jake owes me. Wait a minute. Remind him the time that I drove down there to have an interview. I drove to Huntington to interview Jake for the show. Let's try this. He owes me. Just remind him he owes me. Give me your phone. We're going to try something since this is like overtime. Oh, no. Give me the plug. How is he going to hear you? Have him Skype in. Why don't we go to break and try to figure this out? Put on some music for a second. Okay. And let me tell you the music that's about to happen right now. It's a remix that the Suicide Doors just did to John Newman's Love Me Again. It is now available for free download. Go to you can get it from the Suicide Doors website. I heard free. I started. Yeah, or uh, it's on our SoundCloud page, SoundCloud.com forward slash the Suicide Doors. There's a button that says free download, and you rock on with your bad self. Okay, here we go. So we're going to break if I can find it. We're going to break. Thank <laughs> you. 